mean, there's some some okay concerts, I guess, that I've seen that they've tried to do, like, spread people out or, like, in, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, I, I guess I've seen more, like, drive-in things uh, yeah. uh, than concert things. But, yeah, from my from my take on it, I'm just like, let's just all hold off. Yeah. Let's just get better. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there eventually, you know? I don't mind the, <laughs> the stuff that people have done, like, the live stream for, like, they've done on social media or whatever mm-hmm. like those, oh, sure. like th- yeah that's great but yeah we yeah. went to a drive-in um mm-hmm. probably s- beginning or like midway through summer and to watch a double feature of uh what was it karate kid and back to the Ooh. future and oh, uh yeah it great. was good and so but then the problem was there the, on the main big screen at the drive-in they had a con- like a country music concert and all uh-huh. of the people that like one of those that you're talking about like a live stream or whatever and yeah, all yeah. the people that were there for that one at least I saw at least five brought like giant amps that they connected to uh, their car stereos to the radio to like amplify the music, which, you know, yeah. if you're there for the concert is great. If you're there for karate sure. kid and your car is shaking, cause <laughs> <laughs> there's songs <laughs> that have nothing to do with karate kid happening. It wasn't as fun, but it was yeah. Fun. Was so. it like a, a dual screen? Like it's like on one half they were doing like the concert and one half you're doing your movie. Yeah. They, I'm trying to think I went to it. The only other drive-in I've been to is, when I was in high school and I'm pretty sure that place is shut down now. So I don't have much to Mm -hmm. compare it to, but this place is like in the daylight, it kind of looks like a rundown field like that. They, (laughs) yep. (laughs) With, uh, with gravel. Yeah. Okay. But there's, this place has like five, four or five screens. And so, Oh, cool. The, the, there's one that's the biggest one that they put like we went and saw tenant later and we went to the drive in a handful of times this, this year. Yeah. And uh, so like the big movie they put on that one, um, other than the concert, it's worked fine because people just use their car stereos for the audio. Uh, and mm-hmm. then they have like three or four other ones kind of around the perimeter. So they would run a bunch of different movies. But I think the only other drive-in I went to, they had maybe one or two screens. So I don't know yeah. if this one's an anomaly or if it's normal. I don't know. That's pretty cool. Uh, where are you at again? In uh, close to Indianapolis, about 15, okay. 20 minutes outside. Yeah. Is this like um, an established drive-in? Because there's there's some near us now but with COVID stuff. They've kind of like you know they've done like Walmart parking lots, whatever. They've kind of done like um, oh really like temporary it. ones. Okay, but the one you went to is it like a, an established drive-in? Yeah, th- this is yeah Tibbs Tibbs drive-in. Tibbs, <laughs> yeah. I love drive-ins, man. So uh, there's there's one in Tulsa where I grew up um, called the Admiral Twin. So it's a it's a dual screen. Okay, on either side, um, they show movies and stuff. Um, and so that's what I was used to. We had another one there when I was growing up that, uh, they showed Aladdin in 1992 and then there was a tornado and it's never been open since. Oh, wow. Uh, that was the last movie they ever showed, which I think is pretty fun. Man, they missed but, uh, it. They could have tied that into Twister somehow. They missed it by I know, just a right? few years. Yeah. Just missed it. Exactly. But, um, I, I haven't been to one to here in Houston where I'm at. There's one kind of far out in a, like a little town nearby me, but it's still like, um, 45 minutes away or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just haven't attempted it yet, but um, I've always liked the the ambiance. The yeah. sound isn't always the greatest. So Tenet actually worried me because his movies mm-hmm. are so hard to hear already. Oh, you were right to worry. <laughs> Not the best experience watching it on a drive-in. <laughs> to the point that when I went to re- rate it on Letterboxd, I put a rating uh-huh. down. And then like two minutes later, I went back and took the rating off because I was like, I can't. I can't rate this. I'm going to have to watch this again yeah, later right? when I can yeah, actually make out everything. Also, the last 10 minutes of the movie, there was a a light in our in our hatchback that was on the whole movie that we didn't know about uh, so uh, 15 minutes left of this two and a half hour movie our car died so i didn't get to hear uh, the last <laughs> 10 minutes damn so. wow but yeah i'm with yeah, you on the drive-in thing like i i'm just never against them 
uh, but mm-hmm. I didn't really go to them all that often. And then we yeah. went we went to that Karate Kid Back to the Future one, and we saw Tenet with a, like a B-movie kind of thriller called Alone. Uh, mm-hmm. What else did we see? We went and saw more. We did Hocus Pocus. Yeah, um, there you go. There was a crap I'm trying to remember. But yeah, we went a handful of times, and um, I think especially like getting used to it and kind of leaning into it. I It feels like it's it's been more fun watching movies I've already seen. Because then you can kind of just, agree. yeah, you don't yeah. have to worry about missing something or and there's always stuff happening because people are walking around or, you know, parking or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like, um, especially for, for modern movies, Tenet in particular, just being hard to, to hear to whatever, like focus on that. Yeah. Um, I'd kind of rather, honestly, I'd rather like the home experience, but mm-hmm. a, a real theater, if anything. But in COVID times, I mean, it's all good. But uh, definitely, whenever I've seen him, like the one nearby us, um, they were showing Hocus Pocus. That's when we thought about going. We just didn't. Yeah. Um, but I have a projector. So I've been, we've been doing outdoor movies uh, ourselves anyway. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and that's been fun because we can just do like a small, it's just like me, uh, my wife, and, and her parents basically. Right. So we can still stay separate, but be together but on Saturdays. Out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so that's been really fun. But um, I do enjoy the, the, the ambiance and, and watching like a nostalgic flick from my youth is oh, yeah. of the best way to do that for sure. So yeah, for sure. And it's also nice too, if you like Amanda tried pretty hard, my wife, Amanda, and I know your wife's mm-hmm. also named Amanda. Yeah, sure. We'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just the fact that they share a common name. Yeah. Um, that she, like she tried pretty hard with tenant and then like an hour in was like, all right, I'm done. And then, so for her, she was, she can get on her phone. She can get on mm. her switch. She can just go to sleep there and it's not going to bother anybody, you know, cause yeah. you don't have to worry about people around you. So yeah, I'm down with drive-ins. Uh, and, and you have just one kid, right? Yeah. And Daniel, always will be right? just one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's a enough. good kid. It's not his fault. It's, it's us being yeah. like, all right, we tried this. We don't regret it. We're never going to do it again. One is good. Hey, I, I, I'm with you there. I mean, I'm not really uh, a man that my man and I have always thought we might have kids and then mm-hmm. never just never happened. And now we're kind of like, yeah, we're kind of like our, our non kid life. You uh, seriously, like yeah. you guys and us were are, are the Schrodinger's box thing of, of the possibilities, because <laughs> uh-huh. we've always talked about that if we would have decided we were always on the fence and we we've always yeah. talked about, too, like if we would have decided to not have a kid um we would have been fine too like it, it's yeah there's there's this whole like magical like mommy blog parenting thing about how like when you have a kid it's it's the most amazing thing and yeah. like what did you do with all your time and what how could you even live life without a kid and we're always like we remember exactly what we did with all the time that we had <laughs> and <laughs> we loved our lives before yeah like it's yeah. <laughs> this stuff is great and there's great stuff about it but it's also tough like it's yeah it's a different path um but yeah i i, I only bring that up because i'm constantly on this like self-appointed mission of demystifying the idea of parenting being this like magical easy thing because for it, sure it's good, got yeah. great perks for sure uh-huh. i love my kid he like he's uh, i, I want to be his best friend for as long as i'm able to be because i know that'll yeah, get a point where he's like man you're an asshole and i don't like you <laughs> and i'll have to get through that phase uh yeah but but yeah it's tough like it's it's a tough thing so for us i was glad we were on the same page because we've kind of given it milestones like after the pregnancy was was tough she was in labor for over 24 hours and yeah it sucked and so that was rough so i was like all right i know i don't want another kid but maybe in three months i'll feel differently and we waited three months and kind of checked in and we both were like no probably not let's wait a year so we waited a year so i was i think both of us were worried that the other person was going to be like i changed my mind i want to have a kid and at each check-in we were both like no we're on the same page no more kids (laughs) that's good so yeah yeah. it's tough like how long have you guys been married uh 11 years so, yeah, so yeah. that can change over time, right? Like, I got married at 19, so... I got married at 20, we, yeah. Yeah, so we were, you know, 
young and it, we, you don't know at that point, especially with kids and stuff and, and lots of adult things, you know, as yeah. as each person is growing and like what they're going to want. But that's yep. like my wife and I had always been like, well, when we're like out of college, you know, we'll have a kid. And then it was like, <laughs> it was always like every two years, it was like 22, 24, 26, 28, yep. kept going. We just never did it. And then uh, now we're in our mid thirties and we're just like, you know, it's all good. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, that's exactly, that's, uh, that's so funny that it was that way. Cause it's seriously, I mean, yeah. I'm a nerdy guy. So for me, I'm just looking at it like two timelines that diverged of like the exact same story. Yeah, basically so, it could, it could have <laughs> yeah. gone either way and you can see both options here. So <laughs> that's good. Well, uh, I think on that note, I mean, we could uh, just go ahead and get into it. So uh, what do you say we're doing it? I'm Steven. I'm David. And welcome to Let's Talk About Stuff, uh, where we talk about all kinds of pop culture or what nonsense, really. So, That's true. That's uh, true. It's going to be good times. Um, so uh, let's see. We we do have something like a feature today Yeah. Uh, to, to discuss, uh, not a feature movie, but uh, a feature on the podcast. But uh, I was kind of curious if you had anything you wanted to talk about otherwise, just something you've watched or read or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me, I opened up my notes app and it updated and now it's yeah. all gone. Here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have some, I have some random stuff, but, and so sure. I, I do another podcast too called Erie International that's about horror movies. So I have... Uh, and horror stuff in general. So I have a, mm-hmm. like a, a, an ongoing note that I do all my horror stuff in. And every nice. single week I run into stuff that I'm really into that I want to write down to talk about on Erie, but it doesn't fit. So I can't. So there's been stuff this week where I'm like, Oh, I've Perfect. got, I've got stuff to talk about. Um, have you watched any of that? This new Netflix show called the Queens Gambit. We finished it the you other finished day. It? Yeah. Okay. So you're, ha- yeah. you're farther ahead than we are. We are right. a little over halfway and Oh my Sweet. Lord, I love it so much. <laughs> I was enthralled. Oh yeah. I could not look away. Yeah, it's, it's uh, so good. So if anyone doesn't know, it's it's a uh, it's not a true story. It, it feels like very much like one of those things mm-hmm. that would be a true story. But um, I didn't research a ton about this, but I'm pretty sure it's based off of a novel. Um, from, I feel like I heard that. Yeah, yeah, from from I think like decades ago. I don't think it's a newer novel. Oh, yeah? Uh, but yeah, I had I had totally like especially these days with with Netflix and streaming content, like the amount of stuff that shows up, and unless mm-hmm. it gets buzz, it just kind of you know fades into the content vault and you it, sure. it's still there but you don't hear about it so i had no idea this one was coming out and until people started talking about it so it stars anya taylor joy and she plays this character named elizabeth Harmon, who's like a chess prodigy um mm-hmm. so it kind of charts her life uh from i don't know how far it's going to go you've seen it so you know but yeah uh, at least uh it charts it from the age of like four or five somewhere in there maybe a mm-hmm. little bit older to um her adulthood um, and so it's kind of like 50%, <laughs> it sounds boring, but 50% chess drama, uh, like mm-hmm. competitive chess drama <laughs> and then right. 50% like, uh, addiction, um, sort of like addiction, mm-hmm. uh, mental illness kind of stuff. Um, and it's so good. And if you're, if the idea of a, an exciting chess drama doesn't excite you, uh, I think you're still fine to watch it because it's they do a really good job of making it accessible. So I, my dad sure. taught me how to ch- play chess when I was a kid. So I've always liked chess. So to a degree, I'm able to kind of tell what's happening and potentially where things are going to a, to a small degree because I'm not a good mm, chess right. player. Um, but Amanda doesn't play chess, has no idea how to play, doesn't care. So for her, it's she still is as into the the matches and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So they do a good job of making it pretty accessible, but. Uh, yeah, I love it. The performances are great. The style's amazing. Um, the the pacing is. I don't want to say it's slow. It's more measured in how they do it. But especially, good, yeah, yeah, and especially again, I'm talking about something I haven't finished, so I'm a little over halfway. But especially once it gets into the competitive scene, 
mm-hmm. picks up, you know, some steam there of like, okay, she won this match. Can she win the next one? And having that sort of, um, that sort of momentum. Um, but yeah, did, so it sounds like you guys liked it too. We loved it. Um, and, uh, I, I had, my wife as well is not like a big chess player. Her mm-hmm. dad plays and they've been kind of, he's been trying to teach her actually yeah. uh, around this year, but they haven't done a ton. So, um, there was one part in particular, uh, later in the season that I was like, I actually leaned in and I, I realized what she was doing and I was like, Oh, interesting. <laughs> and my wife was like, you know what she's doing? And I was like, yeah, totally. And then it changed the scene and I was like, Oh, I have no idea what she was doing. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I, you know, I play a little bit as well. I don't really know a lot about it, but, yeah. um, but they, you don't need to, I, I think for this show, for, yeah, sure. for sure, I think it, they, they play it out and it's more about the. They do talk about things, you know, detailed chess moves and all the names and stuff. Like the Queen's Gambit is like a move, like an right. opening move. But uh, you don't really need to know that. They don't really focus no. on the chess pieces themselves or like where they're on the board. Um, it's more about the editing and the momentum. Yeah. Uh, keeping that alive and just being exciting. But uh, And she's really a fascinating me... character, too, because oh, gosh, she's so likable, but then she's also like been through a lot of trauma. Yeah. And so you're you're constantly kind of trying to... I don't know. It's weird. It's not like other shows where you, where you, uh, at least so far, where you're like you don't know anything about her and she's a mystery. Like you can, you can kind of get what she's thinking and where she's at, but she like everything's a little guarded and, yeah. and like her performance, which I thought was so far, it's been really, really fascinating. And it also just yeah. looks great. It's set in like the. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't know how far it's going to go, but at least now the majority has been like the '60s and. So you've got mm. all of like the the swinging '60s fashion and Art Deco stuff and architecture, and I'm into all that too. So it's good. Oh yeah, for sure. The, the yeah the feel and the the look of it, um, it really feels like that era. Yeah. And as you go through it and stuff, it, it doesn't go much past that. Um, okay. So yeah, it does stick stick in there. But I do think it's funny because I I like uh, Anya Taylor Joy has been in a few like movies and stuff that I've liked. My wife yeah, didn't too. know her from anything, but she loves her now. Um, but I'm trying to think of his name. The, the main, uh, one of the guys that she meets up with, uh, he has a hat. I think he probably, <laughs> the cowboy uh, kid. Yeah. The kid, cowboy kid. I don't know his name either. He's from like the maze runner yeah. and he's in some of the like YA movies too. Oh, he is in the maze runner stuff. Yeah. yeah. He, when he showed up, he has like a, a, a goatee, I guess. And sure. like his hat. And I'm like, I'm, my wife was like, is that, is that the little kid from love actually? And I was like, yes. And he, besides the hat and the goatee, he has not aged at all. Is it the kid from like, love actually? I've only seen love it's actually the, once. Okay. Oh yeah. It's the little kid. That's like the drummer. The drummer. Yeah. 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 Son. Yeah. Or stepson. Um, but he looks so much like that still to this day. <laughs> and like, was kind of jarring to me to like, think of as an adult. Haley Joel uh, Osment is that good. way too. When you see him and stuff exactly. now, it's just like, you yeah. kind of still look like the kid, but with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and his face is just kind of shrunk in, <laughs> yeah. I feel like his face never, never grew, but his, his body and his head did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really liked like, uh, I'm, I'm only in the, I'm on the, still the second season of the boys, okay. but, uh, Haley Joel Osment is, you know, like a guest star a little bit oh, uh, really? in that. Um, just like a, two episodes maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's good. I like him in things. I liked him in Tusk, even though that's yeah. a weird ass movie. It is weird. <laughs> um, uh, but it's like, it's, he's still good, but he, my first, when I first saw Haley Joe Osment as an adult, I was like, Whoa, it like took me back. Yeah. And it's some kind of thing. Haley Joe Osment has like a vibe to him that feels like he kind of knows that people, so Macaulay Culkin's kind of gotten this way too, where it's like they've yeah. they've leaned into the fact that they know they can't escape the connection of being a mm-hmm. child star. So it's allowed them to kind of like, I don't know. I've always gotten the vibe that they're, they're fine with it. Like you see so many yeah. of these people that are child stars and then like either can't break away from it or try really hard to. And, and it kind of like, 
some, like Corey Feldman's kind of been that way for me, where it's just like you see stuff him, him. Yep. yeah, and it's just kind of like you want to you want to root for him, but also you can tell like, dude, you're trying so hard, like you, yeah, you're not gonna, it's gonna be impossible. And Haley Joel Osment has has been that way, where it's like he seems like he's just like I'm down for whatever, like yeah, <laughs> need me and the boys, sure. <laughs> he'll he'll lean into it, yeah. So. I was uh, I was gonna bring up Corey Feldman as well because we were watching something with him. The other day, and uh, we had watched The Burbs, mm-hmm. which came out in 89, and he's um, he's a lot older. And then recently I bought the, uh, on Friday the 13th, the the eight movie box set. Oh, was, yeah, I bought uh, that too. On <laughs> iTunes. Well, on iTunes, it was it was for sale for like $13. So I was oh, like, oh, for gonna, the digital copies, okay. Yeah, just the digital. And I was like, you know what? That's like really cheap. I'm going to finally do it. Because um, yeah. I've been getting into those movies and stuff. But oh, yeah. I showed my wife that night part four mm-hmm. with little little Corey Feldman in it. It's my favorite one, probably. Like, do what i said it's my favorite one probably yeah so for i've realized like his uh tommy jarvis mm-hmm. character like that that trilogy or whatever is my favorite i never knew those were good i i always <laughs> just skipped the middle movies because i heard i thought they were shit yeah and uh they ended up being fantastic so whenever friday the 13th rolled around i'd watch them for halloween and stuff um but when that rolled around i was like uh i told my wife about it and i was like hey do you want to watch one of those tonight and she's like hell yeah so we i put on four for her and she dug it yeah um but i was like this is weird this was made in 1984 and he's like a little child but then five years later in the burbs he's like a full-grown teenager like <laughs> what happened in between right. and i forgot all the stuff that he had been in you can literally see him grow up yeah. in the 80s because he did friday the 13th the final chapter and gremlins in 84 then he did the Goonies in 85. You can see him grow a little bit. Yeah. He did Stand By Me in 86. He's like a little bit older. Lost the Boys. Lost Boys yeah. in 87. Yeah. When he's like a full-blown long-haired teenager. Yeah. And then License to Drive in 88. And then The Burbs in 89. I was like, holy That's crazy. shit. Like you could really see him grow up from like a, a you know, 13-year-old kid to right. like a whatever, 18-year-old kid. Right. Um, and that was, was like insane. kind of the end too. Like that that yeah. arc that run i mean he did more movies after that but like that was like the exactly the era and then it kind of was done yeah he did yeah because i was like where what happened to him really like he did dream a little dream in, the, in 1989 i don't know if you've ever seen that it's with the it's the two Corys are both in it um it's a I weird have. like body swap no, uh, movie where it. he's a teenager and he gets swapped with like an old man <laughs> No, it's really it's really weird right. uh and then he did the voice of donatello for uh, okay. teenage mutant ninja yeah. turtles in 1990 and that's pretty much he did like meatballs for 1992 right. like i remember that being like a shitty movie that he was in but like yeah it's like that that he had a really good run in like the early to mid or early to, to late 80s right. and then uh there's the fell off then. if you haven't watched it i highly recommend it the the documentary it's like six and a half hours long <laughs> but the uh yeah. the friday the 13th documentary if you watch that I was wondering about, I thought you tweeted about that or something. I saw it on Shudder, but I haven't seen it ever. <laughs> yeah, I tweeted about it because they, they cover the entire franchise. Mm-hmm. And so I was working, like I was listening to it slash watching while I was working. And so one night I got, I looked at the 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 time remaining because I have the Blu-ray and there was like 30 minutes left. And I was like, man, they're going to slam through like parts seven through 10, <laughs> like really yeah, quick. Right? And then I realized that there was a second disc and there was like two and a half out, more hours. Holy I was like, shit. this thing's like almost seven hours long. It's fantastic. They did a, the same people did a, a Nightmare on Elm Street one as well, which is equally as oh, good. Okay. It's exactly the same format, but they mm-hmm. basically just do like a retrospective kind of thing. But they have so many of the actors, writers, directors come back for it. Yeah, um, that's cool. Anyway, Feldman narrates the Crystal Lake Memories, the Friday night or Friday Friday Night Lights, the Friday the Thirteenth <laughs> one, um, and that was one of the things I really enjoyed was. Uh, a he has a lot of fun narrating, but B when they get to his movies, especially Part Four, you mm-hmm. he he's very 
um like, like the woman who plays pamela Voorhees in the original movie mm-hmm. she's fun to watch too because she's just basically like this movie sucks but like it it made me famous <laughs> so that's cool like there are people in it who you could tell are either like embarrassed or there are people who don't show up for it like uh, like kevin bacon's not in it even though he was oh in, yeah like you know there are people who probably distance themselves feldman yeah. not only doesn't do that but when he talks about it he talks about how like his favorite movie to make was part four out of all of the oh, movies wow. he made and like that's the one he remembers the most fondly. Like he has always embraced that and been like, so in which part of it makes sense too, because that would be one of the movies that would have the most present con sort of connection, Mm -hmm. like convention circuit connection to me. Mm -hmm. So he's Mm -hmm. probably able to see a lot of these fans a lot, not now, but you know, pre COVID um, that's like, he's going to see a ton of horror fans and horror fans are passionate about, you know, these old films. So the first couple horror conventions I went to, I think it was the second one. Um, I'm going to blank on her name now, but um, Audrey from Twin Peaks was there. And I was just mm. like starstruck where I was like, uh-huh. it's, it's, she's from Twin Peaks. Like it, yeah. there's still that sort of element when it's stuff that's for us, like for, for fans of the genre, for horror fans, like it's niche, but it's not because it's so much of what we consume and obsess over. So, you know, for a lot of people, they look at it as like these sort of sad conventions of like all these people who are in like a sequel um, but mm. for everyone else, we're like, no, this is amazing. Like, I'd, I'd much rather be here and seeing these people. So it made sense that he was so happy about that thing. But it was cool to yeah. see. Like, he's he still very much seems like he's um, a fan of the franchise, and he narrates mm-hmm. all of the the documentary too. So it's good. You would like it, I think, if, especially if you've been yeah. enjoying watching these for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just filled with good anecdotes and like um, funny stories and, and yeah, right weird hangups and production and stuff like that. So I. I still haven't seen, and now I can because I, I own it, but I, I didn't have streaming access to Jason Takes Manhattan. So <laughs> I, I've still I never just seen watched that one. that one for the first time <laughs> a couple weeks ago, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. What, I've heard it's terrible, uh, but... That's probably what, true. It's it, it's weird. Like you, I, I think you and I are in the same place with these movies now. Like Before I got into mm-hmm. horror in a big way, I always viewed it as like... Even when I was getting into horror, I was like, okay, I'm probably never going to be a fan of these like franchise slasher movies. Yeah. Um, and that changed. Like I, I've become a fan of both, but there, so there, there's this, there's this like split for me where it's like, okay, there's the snobby, pretentious, you know, critical film person side of me, which definitely mm-hmm. exists. And I love tons of movies that I don't recommend to people. Cause I know that they'll make fun of me cause they're another language or whatever that they're not going to sure, be into. Yeah. But then there's also the side of me that's like, hell yeah, Friday the 13th. So it's like a weird split as a movie was Jason takes Manhattan. Good. No, it was pretty bad as a Friday the 13th <laughs> movie where I'm like, hell yeah, Jason. Yeah. You know, I, I enjoyed it. So feels that. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely moments in it that are stronger than others. Um, there's the, there's a great scene where he like has like a, a boxing fist fight match with a guy on a rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> so there's like <laughs> there's stuff it's stuff like that. When you're gauging the quality based off of sentences like that, that's kind of the movie yeah. it is. I liked it less than part seven. Mm-hmm. Um which people also dunk on and I, I thought that one was fun with the second girl. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Carrie versus Jason. Yeah. And yeah. uh part six I think is great. So I mean it it, it was yeah. it wasn't as good as that one either. I still haven't seen nine and ten. So I, those okay. are those are going to be new for me too. And having watched the documentary, nine seems like it's going to be just a crazy misfire of a mess of a movie where uh-huh. he's not even really in it. Um, and then ten, I'm like weirdly excited for because it's Jason X and space, all that stuff. So, so you've never seen that one? No, never have. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> that one is. Uh, I mean, I don't like it, but 
uh i saw it when it came out basically mm. <laughs> and i don't know if i've seen it since but it's like just it's jason in space so it's just sure. like ridiculous i'm down with know? that yeah so yeah if you're into that stuff that it kind of i've works. seen all these um, things backward the first nightmare movie and the first uh friday the 13th movie i ever saw were the remakes so because oh, they were okay. current like wow. they came out when i was in college so i was like oh yeah people like these movies i'll watch this new one um, and then the next one I watched after those two was Freddy versus Jason. So I, I went backward and then it wasn't until years and years and years later that I went back to watch the original movies, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of where I'm at now. I've gone through all of the nightmare That's ones. So interesting. Now. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was trying to do, I'm, I'm basically doing nightmare, uh, Friday the 13th and Halloween, all the series kind of at once. Mm-hmm. I'm going through like all of them when I had never really watched the sequels and stuff. So yeah. I'm up to, I have to watch six of Halloween, the one with Paul Rudd, um, and uh, which I've seen before, but not in a long, long time. There's two cuts of that too that they released. So that's what I heard, and I was yeah, I didn't know which one to watch. Uh, People say the producer's cut. cut. Yeah, that's the one that has all the gore and stuff. Um, Okay, I'm trying to remember. I think one has the gore, and the other one has the like uh, cult stuff. So mm-hmm. so it kind of depends on where you want to go. <laughs> if you want it to yeah. be a cult magic <laughs> yeah. thing, then yeah. I'm into cults <laughs> and as much as I'm into movies that portray that, uh, but not for, for him. I never really liked the the thorn yeah. stuff or whatever with him. Yeah, I like this that he just the shape, you yeah. know, just fucking killing people. Yeah, same here. Um but uh I'm I'm intrigued for the history of it. And then Friday the thirteenth is what really got me into it where I, where I realized like, oh, like the first Friday the Thirteenth is kind of boring to me now. Me too. Um, I, over the years, I think it's right? overrated. Yeah, <laughs> like there you go. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, part two, I need to give another shot. Um, this year, I started at three because I knew the first two the most, mm-hmm. and I'd never seen pretty much the rest of them, uh, or maybe like bits and pieces when I was a kid, but I didn't really remember them. Yeah. And so once I got to like four or five, and and six, I think was my favorite um, of the Friday the Thirteenth. But once I got into those, I was like, oh, these are really fun. This is oh, what. Yeah people were talking about and then other movies that i know were referencing these movies i never like in monster squad um are you a monster squad fan i've only seen it a couple times but yeah it, it was one that i didn't okay. see when i was a kid so i don't have gotcha. like a, a revisit nostalgia thing but it, i think it's yeah, a yeah, really yeah. fun movie yeah so there's a, a part in that where the main kid sean wants to watch a drive-in movie mm-hmm. actually uh, and he's on his roof and he's watching it it's like groundhog that. day part seven yeah yeah, yeah. and <laughs> and i didn't realize like it was making fun of because that came out in 87 and I think part six of Friday the 13th mm-hmm. came out like that same year or like right before or whatever. And I was like, Oh, I never realized where the Friday the 13th series had gotten to that, that monster squad is making fun of it. I've always just known the monster squad side of it. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, this is a whole new pop culture reference that I never yeah. <laughs> understood. So it's been really fun to kind of revisit those. That is know? one of the weirdest stylistic things we've seen is seeing the credits on these, these slasher movies pop up because we still have multi-franchise installments of movies now, but studios go out of their way to either make them like worked into the word as puns, like Fate of the mm-hmm. Furious, I think is the eighth Fast and the Furious right. movie, right? Like stuff like that. Uh, or they just don't number them. Um, yeah. And so it was, it's always a weird, like when even when the title came up for Jason Takes Manhattan, it's like Friday the 13th, part eight. And when you see it written out, you're just like part eight. Like that yeah. it seems so insane <laughs> that back then they would have been like, let's be proud of this. Put part eight on there. <laughs> like, yeah, right. It's uh, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah. Uh, but it's been interesting to, to revisit those. Um, I I'm up to. Yeah. I watched the fifth Halloween. I'm on the I need to watch the fourth Freddy Krueger. Um, so that's the one I'm, I'm least. Yeah. For, those, but I loved the th- those the go downhill after cool. three. <laughs> they're that's still, a, yeah, they're the still fun, but yeah, three is yeah. so fun. And 
I've only watched all of those once, other than the first movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the third, I've seen the third a few times, but the the rest I've only seen once. And I don't know, maybe rewatching them, there will be one that jumps out. But if it feels like even in the horror community, there's not like a, like Friday the Thirteenth has those those peaks and valleys in it. Yeah, and it seems like with with Nightmare, there's not really any like consensus. It's like one and three, <laughs> like are the the yeah. two good ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried watching two. Uh, it was it was rough. But mm-hmm. then there's a there's a documentary about that called yeah. Screaming Queens yeah, that yeah. I want to see. So it makes me want to watch the movie more right. so I can watch the documentary and understand it a little bit more. Um, but that's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's good then, stuff uh, in them. I think you'll have fun watching them. There, I think there was yeah. only one from what I remember where I was like, man, this is boring and not that good. The rest of them, mm-hmm. they're entertaining, you know, for what they are. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of... I used to view them as like, uh, if anything, I'm an, I'm an originalist. I'll, I like I actually like the first Nightmare and then oh, yeah, the too. first... The first uh, Friday, I was always uh, like the first Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. I was always like uh, cooling on a little bit. It just seemed like not not a whole lot's going on. It right. wasn't that exciting. And then I was like, well, the rest of them are. I was kind of film snobby, I guess, about it. Yeah. You know, I was just like, well, I don't want those sequels. Kind of what you were saying. And then, but then now I'm like, oh, well, I didn't realize like, how much fun they were having, and they're yeah. a lot more interesting. So yeah, it was a I strange day for me too, where I was like, I guess Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, the final chapter, is the best one. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. but that's what it is. Like, it's yeah. that they perfected it by then. So yeah, I did. Uh, the other night when we watched part four, uh, my wife was getting tired on the couch and I went ahead and well, so there's a, there was someone on Twitter who was talking about the remake mm-hmm. of Friday the 13th and I hadn't seen it since it came out. I don't think so. I was, they had mentioned that it's basically a retelling of the, of the first three movies. Yeah. And then I was like, Oh, well that sounds kind of interesting. Cause I don't really care for the first three original movies. So yeah. maybe this will be better again. And they were like, I think it's kind of underrated. You should give it a shot. So I put it on. It wasn't my favorite. Uh, it had some people in it. I know. Yeah. So I liked that. Yeah. But otherwise I was like, yeah, that, a little, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, that's not gonna be one of my, I'm going to rewatch. I'm lot, in the same know? place when I, when I, when I talk about it, I, I have the same kind of take where it's like, it's cool how they made sort of like a greatest hits Friday the 13th movie for yeah. that first like half or, you know, quarter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I actually sit down and watch it, uh, I'm always yeah. reminded of like, it's not really that great. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. fine, <laughs> but you know, there's some cool kills in it. There's the funny stupendous tits line and that like insanely gratuitous sex scene. Like there's uh-huh. these moments that people talk about, but I do like the whole, there's like the first before the credits is like 30 minutes or something. And it's like mm-hmm. a mini oh, movie. Yeah. They kill an entire cast uh, yeah. and then they hit the credit like the opening title and then it's new kids like i i thought that structure was, that was cool. pretty cool um i i did like that too because when the title hit i it made me realize that i hadn't seen it i didn't even realize yeah. that they were doing that until it hit and i was like holy shit like we just went through a whole movie because i think in and that now, is when he has like the bag movie. on his head right like it's like the part two yeah. reference mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. yeah and those kids and yeah and it makes sense like it's it's better on paper i guess kind of uh to agree with you mm-hmm. that it's like when you actually watch it it's not that great but on, on paper it's like yeah, it's a pretty cool idea and then it's going to set up all these other characters like her her brother or whatever to come in and look for her, yeah crossing paths with these other teenagers but um i also thought it was crazy though because i'm a huge cabin of the woods fan oh, me too. Which, uh, you know a lot of people are yeah um but that was filmed the same year uh in 2009 but it came out in 2012 because it was shelved yeah and i'm like if they had come out at the same time it would have been so weird because cabin of the woods is making fun of everything that they did yep and such a better way. And there was one in particular, I can't remember right now. Like they obviously go, they go to like the convenience store and they, you know, they 
hit those same kind of beats or whatever. Yeah. But there was something in particular that I was like, wow, this is, oh, there's a, uh, before the gratuitous sex scene, there's a scene with two of the guys sitting on a couch and one of the girls is just hammered dancing sexily oh, in front yeah. of the fireplace. And yeah, I was like, right. this is crazy. Yeah. This is straight out of Cabin of the Woods, but they're making fun of it. But in this movie, they're, it's real. Oh, yeah. And it, it plays so differently. And what a weird world that those could have came out like the same summer or something. And Cabin in the Woods, like that scene where she's dancing is also like, it's funny because they're leaning into the slasher stuff, but it's also the movie's so well made. It's so tense when she starts making out with that wolf because you're like the first time, obviously once you've seen it, you know, but if you're seeing it for the first time, you're just like, she's about to get her face bitten off. Like there's, there's something's going to (laughs) happen. Something's going to happen. And, uh, it's, it's crazy how even in that movie, which is a really funny movie, they still manage Mm -hmm. to make the horror work, you know, when they need to such a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good movie. Yeah. Maybe really when I watched the, the Friday the 13th remake, it made me want to just go back and watch Cabin in the Woods. Five, <laughs> oh. yeah, and then, but also Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. I was like, I'd rather just watch this. I saw some people uh, memeing when when the election was finally called. That scene of the little Japanese girls with the frog, where it's like the evil has finally been vanquished, <laughs> <laughs> like, posting with the election results. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so that was. Uh, it's been interesting to revisit those, and then I was glad that my wife actually kind of took to to part four as well. Yeah. Um, she she doesn't she's not a huge fan of gore, but um, that movie like eighties movies where it's a little more silly mm-hmm. and the effects are practical so they they look like better but also they look a little fake when that's kind of the yeah. the goal of it um, real goopy like the, I think it's in four there's like a there's like a whole like head smash or like a finger <laughs> smash through the like face or whatever yeah and she just kept being like oh but she was into it right you know? so you should watch. Uh, um, <clears throat> Maybe not your wife. I don't know how much you'll connect with this yeah. one, but um, if you, especially if you like for Joseph Zito, the director, the movie that got him hired for that movie was The Prowler. Mm. Have you watched that one? I've never seen it, but I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not. Yeah, it doesn't have the like franchise strength of having like an existing character, but mm-hmm. uh, if you dig that style and those those like very like real like fleshy tangible makeup effects on the kills and stuff, it's it's yeah. worth a watch. It's a fun. That's cool. Fun movie. I had heard about that one in regards to kind of like a. It, I hadn't heard of it until recently, I guess, and it was like kind of the lost movie between like Halloween and Jason mm-hmm. and all that stuff that they kind of were like the juggernauts, and this one was. It's like, oh, this one's really good, and it's on, in that same vein yeah. or whatever. But um, I never met anybody personally that had seen it. So yeah, it's cool. It's good. good. It's. I mean, it's one of those movies, so you you know what you're getting into. But I'm um, down with that. <laughs> yeah. I did have one more thing. If it's cool that I yeah. throw out there. Um, sure. I and this is another one that I I could not I, there's no way I could figure out a way to work it on any of the other podcasts so I'm excited to talk <laughs> yeah. about it here and and also you mentioned on a previous episode uh, you had some breaking news midway through that Alex Trebek had died oh, um, yeah and uh, so I, I I think I was on I was on Reddit or something I don't remember somewhere where it was it wasn't an article but it was like a comment like a comment from some random person where they mm-hmm. were like hey his uh, his book has this passage that I always found really beautiful blah 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 and they posted the passage so I was reading it and I was like hey I didn't know he had a book b this is yeah. really well written this is nice um, so I looked up on Amazon and he had just like the book was just published weeks months ago like oh, wow. very very recent yeah um, so I picked up his book which is called uh, the answer is um, and then I think there's like a subtitle it's like reflections on my life or something Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great book. I read it this week. It's it's awesome. if you have any kind of passing interest in him or Jeopardy, 
I've always been a huge Jeopardy fan. Like I, mm. I used to watch it every day after school with my grandma, right. and and then I think <laughs> nice. I think everybody kind of has like a story like that, where it's like at my right, parents' totally. house, grandparents' house, whatever. And then uh, I think most people's parents and grandparents have those stories too, because it's been on for so long. So it's it's always mm-hmm. been like this constant. And then for especially our generation, our entire lives, he's been that constant too. Sure. Um, so the book is fascinating because he is just such a chill dude. <laughs> like he's, he's not, yeah. um, at least the way he's portrayed in the book, at least from stories I've heard, like there were never any scandals with him. There was never any mm-hmm. controversy on anything. Um, I think some people could easily say that he's a boring guy. Maybe he would even say, you know, or would have said that he was a boring guy. Um, but it's just that he's, again, you're reading someone's autobiography. So, you know, yeah. who really knows, but by all accounts, just like a hardworking simple straightforward guy who just did his job um but also has like a lot of really interesting and i thought very positive and sort of inspiring views like one of his biggest influences growing up was mark twain so there's a lot of that's mm. sort of like you know sort of simple straightforward wisdom that he kind of lived his life by um lots of great anecdotes the way that he structures the book is sort of each chapter is um set up like a, a jeopardy uh, question mm-hmm. so or an answer so it's what is and then it would be like uh, fatherhood or whatever and the chapters at most last like five pages so you're you're hitting your it moves really quick it's not a comprehensive biography um, in terms mm-hmm. of like you know here's three chapters on my upbringing and then here's it's it, sometimes it jumps around a little bit but the thing that I, that like really I think connected with me reading it this week was he opens the book by talking about how he had been approached many times in his career by people to say, Hey, let's, let's publish your autobiography or memoir, or let's have, can we do an authorized biography and someone else will write it. And he always mm-hmm. turned him down basically kind of with the rationale of like, I, I don't really have that insanely interesting of life. I don't know that it's warranted or whatever. Then he got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And mm-hmm. he talks in the intro about how he was like, I don't know how much time I've got left. So if I'm going to yeah. do this, I'm going to do it. I'll write it. Uh, I more than anything want to get my thoughts and experiences down of my life because I might not have another chance. And so mm. the, the entire book, like you can tell, I mean, and I'm sure you've read, you know, autobiographies, memoirs, you read of people. A lot of times you can tell that you can't tell when they were written or, you know, it was probably written over a long period of time because the gap between it being published and whatever, maybe something happened that's not covered in the book or whatever else. This thing yep. feels like he wrote it and he basically did like almost on his deathbed and then they published yeah. it immediately. So there's references throughout it to COVID, to things that mm-hmm. have like just recently happened, to him basically dealing with his diagnosis and ways of looking at it. Um, so I don't know. It, without getting too like maudlin about it, like I, I found it to be like really touching and, and sort of yeah. um, in that in that weird mixture of like sad and happy at the same time to where it's like someone who seemed very at peace with the fact that he probably was going to die and Mm -hmm. not having regrets and not having, you know, any sort of fears and just kind of looking at like, I had a good life and I've got these kids that I love and my wife I've been with for all these years. And here are the things that I've found pleasure in, like simple things like fixing stuff up around the house or, you know, getting to work early. (laughs) Like it's, it's very sort of like simple stuff. Um, but then there's also, again, like a lot of great anecdotes. There's a chapter on Ken Jennings and, and James Solhauser, like the two, two of the three, like real, yeah. you know, long running champion guys. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great book. I definitely recommend it if, if that's anything that interests people. Um, and if you're not a big reader, like I said, I think it's, uh, it moves fast and then it's probably two, 300 pages. It's not that long. So I, yeah, right on. even with my busy schedule, I knocked it out in a week. So 
uh, really good. It was really surprisingly good. That sounds good. great. Yeah. Yeah, I went ahead and uh, saved it. I, I looked it up while you were talking. It came out in uh, July. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, of this year. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's brand new. I, I hadn't even heard about this. I heard about, obviously, his um, diagnosis and stuff and then his death, you know, um, we, we broke here on the show, uh, <laughs> yeah, for exclusive. the world, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I didn't know about that. That sounds fascinating. I am also a uh, Jeopardy fan. Like most people, like you said, like I have those stories, whatever, but, um, even recently they've put a lot of them, uh, the episodes, they like rotate yeah, on Netflix on, on Netflix. Yep. Yeah. And they've been great. We have a, a friend of my wife's has stayed with us a few times, uh, not really since COVID stuff, but over the last like year or so. Right. And, um, every time she comes over, like that's our thing. Like on Friday nights, we all just wanted to stay home and we would just put on like back to back episodes yep. of, we call it Jeopardy, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we put them on, put on Jeopardy and it's just like a weird thing that everybody loves. Like, even though you like, I'm not that smart to, to get all the answers. Mm-hmm. Like I'll try yeah. and it's fun or whatever. And it's and, like, uh, he seems like such a good guy. The so. best show for that where it's where, I mean, it was great when it had commercials, but even on Netflix, it's almost even better because the episodes are like, 15 20 minutes long yeah so you're fast, just yeah you get into this this like zen like feeling of just repetition <laughs> which yeah. is very soothing and you're just able yeah. to kind of stick to that structure and but and in in many without getting too artistic about it in many ways that's like kind of the overall theme of his life that he talks about in the book is just having that sort of reliability both for the other people he worked in and then also in enjoying that in his job and there was like yeah. <laughs> there's one part where he talks about briefly he always enjoyed acting and for a while t- thought about maybe he would quit Jeopardy and, and pursue Ooh. acting. And he was talking to one of his acting friends and his acting friend was kind of breaking down how it worked. And Alex Trebek was like, I work two days a week and make more money than you. I'm not going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> like, so there, there was, that's kind of like the simple way he, he looked at stuff, but yeah, that's no, I'm, funny. I'm with you hundred percent. The, the, did you watch the, I think they put it on Hulu when they did that earlier this year, the big, like, uh, championship of championships or whatever, where they brought back the three guys. Yeah. Um, it was like a four or five night thing. So they brought back Ken Jennings, the whole Hauser dude. And then Brad Rutter, I think was the third one is his name. Okay. And they basically did like the championship to end all championships. And so if you want a match, you got a certain amount of points and it was best like three out of five or whatever. Oh. Uh, and it was great. It was awesome. Like that sounds awesome. When they yeah. do stuff like that, or they did the, those three guys played against the, the computer, uh, the IBM uh-huh. computer that did that one. So, yeah, those those are always super fun. The thing I'm curious now is who they'll replace him with. I think they said they have yeah. episodes recorded until Christmas, so he'll be on oh, TV okay. until for the next couple months. I didn't know that. Yeah, because they do like I'm trying to. They say in the book it's they re, they record two days a week and do like 20 games in those two days or something. Wow. Like it's a lot. Yeah. Um. So there's been like this social media push to have Levar Burton be the, uh-huh. the new host, which I think would be great. Uh, I think he'd be great, yeah. And then I've seen other people say Ken Jennings is like the obvious pick, and I'm like, he'd be great too. Like, I think Lavar Burton would probably be more the spirit of Alex Trebek, of like, sure, like quiet, you know, sort of wise kind of dude. But then Ken Jennings is really funny and witty and can think on his mm-hmm. feet and would be an entertaining host. So, um, it's it's like the most boring uh, thing to to ponder about, like who's gonna host <laughs> Jeopardy? <laughs> but it's who's gonna be the host it's of so this interesting show? to me at the same time. Like, yeah, it's this weird like piece of American pop culture that's. <laughs> Yeah, that right. somehow has survived for so long. Yeah, it's crazy. Which is, yeah, I mean, obviously you have like the Wheel of Fortunes and stuff. Like you have mm-hmm. other things kind of in that realm or whatever. But there's something special. Uh, I don't think it's partly because it's you have to be smart to win it. And it, yeah, there's something to be said about us all coming home from school 
and sitting down to watch facts yeah. be told by people, right? Like in an entertaining way, but still fairly boring. Like right. there's not a whole lot that goes on that show. Um, I even I was reading about him the other day after his passing and about the show and everything, and they were talking about how they have. They like uh, in the last like two decades or whatever, I guess they've gotten more and more of their like correspondents who like read questions from like the location or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we just try to spice it up. <laughs> and I'm like, you're spicing it up is literally just sending someone to read a question. Yeah. Somewhere. Like, that's all you could do. Like, there's just not a lot to it, but it's still so good. It stands the test of time. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Been fascinating. Well, that's cool. Uh, I, I would definitely be interested to read that book. And that sounds like a good like Christmas present type of thing this year Very much. For, for people, you know, Amanda was yeah. making fun of me. Cause I kept bringing up like little moments in the book that were making me laugh or that I liked. And uh, she was like, go ahead and buy it for everybody for Christmas this year. I know that's what you're going to do. <laughs> uh, and I hadn't thought about it that she said that mocking yeah. me. I was like, that's actually a great idea. This is a perfect like, like, actually, Christmas yeah. present. So that's hilarious for sure. Uh, leaning into that. Uh, did you ever watch the OC? I watched the first season and it was, I was late yeah. to the game on that. Um, yeah. it was after it had Same. been done. So I picked up the DVDs and, uh, real, like definitely enjoyed it for what it was when we watched it. Um, yeah. At the time. Yeah. Of just like, yeah. I mean, you've seen it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was late to it as well. I, uh, I actually learned about it in college. I went to, um, uh, university of Arkansas mm-hmm. and, it was like a, a bunch of people coming together from all over the states and stuff around us. We were from Oklahoma coming in, but we we knew a guy who was like a cowboy from like he graduated with like 15 people, but he loved the OC and he had like a whole group of friends that got together to watch it. And I was like, this is insane. I got to check it out. And it was good at the time. We, we tried to revisit it in the last like two years and, and we really couldn't get through a whole lot of it. Oh, it digs it like a, it seals very much into the time and the pop yeah, culture and the fashion time capsule. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, my point of bringing it up was well, the one thing I've really taken from it is uh, Seth, who is um, I can't remember his actual name. It's, right uh, now. Adam Brody. Adam Brody. Yeah. No. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, he uh, he has a thing in that show. I'm not sure what season it is, though. His uh, Chrismica or whatever he calls it for there. He's like Jewish and Christian, whatever. What he gives his gifts, though, is all the stuff that he kind of liked that year, and he gives it to everybody. So he has, like, a package of, like, a movie, a book, a CD, oh, nice. or whatever. And I was like, man, that's a perfect gift. Yeah, that, like, is, that is. Just be like, I think you would like this. I liked this. Right. Uh, and I've always, I think I've done, like, a few, a handful of times, but I like, he did it for, like, everybody. Yeah. So everybody would kind of have whatever he liked. Which would be that. easy for like, them because nice. they were rich. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? <laughs> if if we're like, doing it, we pick a couple people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because uh, sometimes my taste, like you said, recommending some things, I'd be like, it'd be harder to do it for others. You know, for some people, it'd be easier. But um, it's always yeah. exciting when you find a movie or a book or something like that to where you're like, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. This blew my mind. And then having that realization of like, I don't know who to tell about this. Right. <laughs> like, I can't think of anyone I know who wouldn't just be like, are you, why did you like this? Like, so yeah. it's a weird, weird, lonely excitement. <laughs> I don't like the, like, it's hard, like, music especially for me, like, recommending it to people and getting feedback oh, yeah. and, and even how to listen to that, like, how how to have an experience. Like, you can show someone a movie and watch it with them. Right. But, like, sitting around listening to music is kind of Play the track weird. and just kind of sit there. And, <laughs> you're just, and you're just, like, watching them, like, are they into it or they're not? And they're all yeah. about it, right? It's hard sometimes, and so I've, I've shied away from that sometimes. But then you and I, like, we were uh, talking on um, Twitter, mm-hmm. I guess, like, uh, direct messaging yeah. each other. And you were like, hey, well, if you like this, you, have you ever heard of Blue Jay? 
with Mark Duplass oh, yeah. and Sarah Paulson. I was like, I love Blue Jay, yep. but I I would never recommend that to anybody. You're the I don't first know you're the first like person it. I ever recommended it to, and it was yeah, it was that exact go. reason. It was like finally there yeah. was somebody who I was like, okay, knowing these things, I, I now know I can recommend it to this person, and not like it's yeah. impossible to, but even just yeah. for it's in black and white, and so I think for so many people right away, they're that just alone. like, why is it in black and white? I'm not watching this. So yeah. <laughs> great movie though. It's a great movie, exactly. So we're recommending it to the world right now. Absolutely. You know who you are. If you like black and white movies with cool people in them, recommended by awesome people. Totally. Then, uh, that's good. Um, let's see. Oh, I wanted to mention uh, one thing we watched last night. Um, my wife and I are huge West Wing fans okay. uh, of the show, so we've been watching that for for a few years. We were late to it, but can we, I, we've been watching it for a few years now. Can I interrupt yeah. you and ask a question then? So so I sure. I I know I know Sorkin, especially in like the modern age, is like yeah. a – He's a problematic guy for a lot of people, which I get. Uh, I've liked every, pretty much everything I've ever seen by him. I, I mm-hmm. like his writing. I I understand why there's problems with it, but I really like the newsroom. And again, I know why there's problems yeah. with it. Like, um, I the, I've never watched The West Wing, so I'm ah. I'm sure I would like it. I just it's mm-hmm. I think it's kind of daunting because it's a lot of seasons of something it to is. start, and we have all these other shows. Blah blah blah. Uh, my question is, what was the recent HBO thing? They, that's what is I that watched. what you're talking perfect, about okay cool because I saw mm. people talking about it and I was like this <laughs> yeah. seems fake now like I set you up <laughs> but I, I didn't know what it was I was like is uh, it sure but I know they've been doing reunion things in the COVID yeah. era but I was like I didn't know if it was that or okay so I'll shut up now explain it no that's perfect I, there's a great segue so uh <laughs> there there have been a ton of COVID things that I've I've wanted to participate in but I'm not that into really like just like I tried a, a little bit of the YouTube stream of the um, Dazed and Confused tr- script read. Okay. Um, and I had those people back, and it was kind of cool to see them older right. and, and whatever. But I did the Scott Pilgrim really... one. I watched that one. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. But it's was that the same? It's just like a Zoom call. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. people in their rooms, like we are right now, right? Like yeah. Just it, whatever. I would not if I wouldn't have been working at the same time. I I don't know that I would have been mm. able to watch it. Like to sit yeah. down for an hour and a half and watch people on Zoom read a script. Like it was fun to right. listen to. It was fun to pass the time. But like yeah. pulling it up on YouTube to sit there for an hour and a half, I think I would have been like, I kind of just want to watch the movie at this point. Exactly. Which is how I did with Days of Confused. I, I watched like five minutes of it and I was like, oh, that was interesting. But that's, you know, like yeah. that. but there were ones that I like they did Wet Hot American Summer and they did like a Parks and Rec reunion of some sort. Yeah. And, uh, and my I, underst- like, hey, I didn't watch that cool, one. But my know? understanding of that one was that it was like an episode, right? Like they're in character. It was oh, a new thing. Did. Yeah. They did like a, a COVID episode okay. that was that I, we did like, okay. and then they did another thing just recently, like a few weeks ago. Though, uh, okay, um, that was for Wisconsin. I think Wet Hot American Summer was as well. Okay, um, they're specifically raising money for the election there. Gotcha. And I think it was also just like a either a table read or you know some sort of like that, Reunion. maybe some questions, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the West Wing, for what I, I do highly recommend the show. We only started watching it maybe like three years ago or so, so it took us a long time as well. And, uh, and the first season is kind of rough. It was, you know, in the night, it was like 1999. Mm-hmm. So especially in the era, I think a lot of first seasons were rough and then they kept going and they got better and tighter and stuff and they kind of got in their groove. Right. But, um, but after that, like, uh, it really gets good. And, and I am, I'm really big into politics and I, West Wing is kind of the world that I wish we lived in. It's really like romanticized politics. Yeah. Which is usually uh, people's with, criticism of Sorkin. That was the, exactly. the newsroom thing too, where it was like, yeah. wouldn't it be great if this is how the news was, which to me, I found very watchable. I was like, I like That's watching this. Yeah. yeah, like it's yeah. not realistic, but you know, sure. But I don't really need that. Like, I also, I, I think there's something to be said for to show that romanticism and, and also right. kind of like a Jeopardy thing. Like the West Wing is really good about, and especially with Sorkin's dialogue to explain just how the government works. Mm-hmm. Like 
I know so much more about how things work just because in the script, they'll be like walking and talking, right? And they'll <laughs> be going through a hallway and just be like, well, what does that mean? And they'll be like, well, and they explain it. Okay. And it, you realize like all of this they just said is how like a legislative aide gets elected to this thing or whatever. Like, and it sounds so stupid. Like I would never care, but the way they described That's it was so interesting. Yeah, the, you know? that I so am cool. so down for that because I've known more and more as I've gotten more into politics in this era of my life that the right. amount of stuff that I probably was taught in school over like a four week period. <laughs> and then we never talked yeah. about it again, uh, yeah. is gone. So like, so when, when real life things now come up to where it's like, well, if this doesn't happen, then what happens? I always have to Google it. Cause I'm like, I have no idea. It probably goes to a, some yeah. kind of court. Like that's what always happens, but I don't right. know how it works. So, okay. That's interesting. I, that's so, higher on my list. Yeah, now. It's, it's one thing that I never expected really from it, but it's been nice because it's kind of helped me. uh, And also like watching a, not just romanticized, but also that era, like politics are just so, so weird right now. Like uh, it's such an aberration versus that. And so you can actually be like, Oh, this is how stuff is supposed to work. Right. And then juxtaposition, the juxtaposition against today's modern world is like really jarring, but also like it helps kind of like parse out the informo- information now. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a there's a series of episodes in the West Wing in like the third or fourth season where um, there's like something that happens between the president and one of his aides, and he gets like really pissed about it. He he's calls out his father, the president's father, basically for being like uh, for like beating him mm-hmm. and stuff as a kid, okay. and being like he was a terrible father. And the president is like. Like, stop talking about my dad that way or whatever. So they kind of get in a tiff. Right. The next episode is this one in particular. Um, it's called Hartsfield's, Hartsfield's Landing. And it was just always known as, like, a really good episode. And it's actually a chess episode. Okay. Uh, where that guy, that kind of, his aide who got in, into it with him, and then um, uh, Rob Lowe is a different aide. Um, the president comes back from India. He's been given these, um, like hundreds of years old chess sets from the prime minister of India. Okay. And he gives them to his aides. And while he does that, he plays them a game at the same time. So it's just him going back and forth between these two games. Um, that's like the, the bulk of the show. And then, uh, there's other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Right? So what they did for this West Wing special is they did a stage play of that script. Oh, okay. And so it's not new it, stuff. Not like a sequel. Okay. Okay. But it's also not a table read, and they had, like, a whole new director come in and, like, do this for the stage, and it was so cool because they would use, like, lighting to, like, differentiate, like, a room from someone else, or, like, there's a part where, like, there's supposed to be a bunch of paparazzi around them, and they kind of just do, like, big flashbulbs above them, and then they have the reporters there, you know? They have, like, a scene where the president gets into a car, and, like... He's walking up to it and you just see it's literally just the car door. Mm-hmm. But then they they use the camera on the stage because there's no actual people in the audience for COVID times. Right. So they use like uh, the camera to kind of go up to him and you just see him against the car door and you're like, oh, he's in a car. Like it totally works. That's awesome. Yeah. And in the background is like someone at a desk who's like at a different place. And it, it's just it was so cool to see that same episode. That's so good. That right. I love so much with these older people, which was you know, interesting as well to see ever, how everybody kind of grows. So up it is all the same actors. Uh, everybody, but the his chief of staff um, dies in like died in real life. Uh, okay, um, towards the end of the show. Gotcha. So they got Sterling K. Brown to oh, fill yeah, in yeah. for him. Yeah, he's a great. And actor. he's phenomenal yeah. always, right? So 
so that was really cool to to see that. Um, but everybody else is pretty much there. They even brought back another one of their characters to be like the the narrator, the to read the script directions. And yeah, stuff. yeah, that's awesome. Um, so it was it was cool to see her. And, Man, now um, I want to watch the like show a huge part of just it. so I can watch this episode because that sounds so right? cool. That's one it of was the really cool. One of the biggest yeah. things I wanted to do recently was he did Sorkin did a. Uh, um, the stage, his like adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird, with um, oh wow, with uh, Jeff Daniels played Atticus Finch, like, and that's like my favorite American novel. Like I've read it, you know, oh, a ton growing up. That's and, so good. Um, yeah. so that right was right there. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was one of the like biggest things. That, the only time I've ever been like, we got to figure out a way to see this Broadway play. And we were going to New York for um, New York Comic Con last uh, yeah last year, and I looked mm-hmm. up tickets, and it was like we had like two potential places where we could go and the worst possible seats it would have been like seven hundred dollars or something crazy just Damn. for a man and i to go and i was like i don't think yeah. i can do it we're already spending money to get to new york and um right. but i've heard and again like everything sorkin's ever done <laughs> there are people who are like it's <laughs> pro- you know maybe it's problematic maybe it's not maybe it's idealized yeah but the thing that made me interested about it is he took the book and changed some stuff so he he mm. has scenes between atticus and calpurnia about race and so there's stuff mm. in the stage play i guess that is sort of also commenting on you know like 2020 or 2019 politics and sure and racism in america and all that kind of stuff um so it, it, that sounds it makes more sense yeah. now that you say that it's the stage play thing i don't know how much sorkin was involved but at least there's yeah. been some recent you know stage stuff too so yeah that's awesome yeah uh that would be fantastic i remember hearing about jeff daniels uh in that role yeah uh, which sounds good enough alone i mean jeff daniels oh, yeah. is awesome uh which you had mentioned the newsroom i've only ever seen the first episode um, and then mostly uh, every, every like few months, I'll look up the clip of him talking about how America's not <laughs> school yeah. and it's, it's just so good. Like I'm a, I'm a Sorkin fan. So yeah. the line I love from that, yeah. it's so funny. Cause it's, it's so disjointed of a sentence, but he's like, if we're so great, why do we lose? So goddamn always, which I think is such a funny line. <laughs> that <laughs> but, is great. Yeah. That's, I like that yeah. show. It's uh it seems even just from the stuff you're talking about West wing. Now it seems like there's some yeah. themes that he kind of re- maybe comes back to. Cause there's, there's mm-hmm. dad stuff that comes up in that too. Yeah. Uh, with his father and, um, but it, it was one of those where it was like, okay, regardless of, you know, where you land politically or if this is realistic or whatever else, like the the actors involved, the acting, the dialogue, everything's just yeah. so fun to watch and it and it pulls you in. Even if there's like a storyline where you're like, What are they doing? <laughs> but they usually yeah. it's just a fun, you know, it's engaging. It pulls you in. I really want yeah, to see his new sure. Netflix movie too. Um the Which one is that? It's the uh, Trial of the Chicago or is it the Trial of Chicago Seven? Oh yeah. yeah. And I've heard it's great, so yeah, I didn't realize it was him too. Um, he's made yeah, he's, he's made a uh, few movies I still haven't seen. He did the Molly's Game, that one with uh, uh, I'm gonna uh, blank on her name now. Uh, all I can think of is she's the redhead actress from Mama, which is probably not what she wants to be remembered <laughs> from. Yeah, uh, Chastain, Jessica Chastain. Yeah, is it Chastain? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I've heard is great uh, too. But oh, Molly's Game is fantastic. Is it? Okay, I want to see. I it. love that movie. Yeah, uh, my wife and I get into we we have like a, a whole group of movies that we did it's like our comfort movies or mm-hmm. whatever uh that we watch a bunch and molly's game has been in that i've i've probably seen that movie like eight times really okay um, i have yeah. it downstairs i i bought the blu-ray a while back and just have not mm-hmm. watched it um i uh i almost thought you were going to segue into a walk to remember because i know that we have a, <laughs> a shared connection there too <laughs> but i won't bring that up i don't want to the aaron sorkin jim a walk to remember. <laughs> i don't want to derail us too much 
<laughs> well, I would love to. Uh, I have thoughts on that for for next episode okay. for sure. Sounds good. Uh, that I because I there's there's a show and tell portion of that that I need to okay. uh, <laughs> to bring something for you uh, that I don't have at hand right now. All right, sounds but, good. But uh, we'll we'll definitely get into that soon. But uh, yeah, I. Uh, I really like Molly's game. That was the first, I don't know if that was his first directing role or that's just the first one I've seen. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I dug it. I thought, I thought he's, he's one of those guys. It's like, uh, he's known for writing and he's, he has all these great scripts and stuff, but he, um, he's been around all these great directors as well. Right. So I feel like he pulled that in and made, you know, a similar, you know, kind of movie like, um, tonally or, Mm -hmm. uh, pacing, especially I think as, can be really hard for like a first time director, but he just, to me, like he just nails it. That movie oh, nice. moves. I'll, I'll try to watch um, it this week then. And then obviously we're yeah, not mentioning right. what is arguably the best. I, I think the social network mm-hmm. is such a good movie. That's one of my favorite. Oh, it might be my favorite so Fincher good. movies. And, and I know that's kind yeah. of a, a crime. Cause I should say Zodiac or seven, which I think are also amazing, but yeah, social network I is, do love Zodiac, but is, uh, yeah, just hit all of those perfect notes. And, and I won't even bring up the, first time that we got a Trent Reznor Atticus Ross collaboration on the soundtrack that's one of my favorite soundtracks ever so oh yeah but that movie's great that movie is fantastic that was another one I, I watch a lot my wife likes that one a bunch too but um social network to me um I remember like when that came out and like uh, I'm a big like I'm really into the Oscars and stuff yeah me too and I really that was my favorite for that year mm-hmm. and I remember my mother-in-law being like I don't I don't get it yeah like she she saw it she was like it's okay but it's about Facebook like she just <laughs> yeah. totally never got past that which we all did at first we we're like who's making a movie about Facebook this is stupid right. but then it was both of you know Fincher and uh and Sorkin and everything you're like oh wow this is yeah. gonna be good but I was I I saw it and I was floored. Uh, oh yeah, me that movie too. is so fucking good. Yeah, it's amazing. And now I feel like I know a lot of people say this too, but like with the the way that Facebook has changed over those ten years since that movie came out. Oh yeah, that for anything to beg for a sequel oh, from yeah. those from that group of people, especially, yeah. um, I would really dig that. But I, I haven't heard any actual rumblings from them. Just most people like kind of wishing it. So yeah, uh, but it's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I love um, it. And Sorkin's in it too, which is. Uh, yeah he's like a he's like a interviewing them for like money or whatever yeah he's like a venture capitalist or something or when he's investor. doing the, the guadal stop yeah yeah <laughs> thing. yeah yeah uh yeah that's a that's a good one though that'd be fun to to revisit soon i i that's to me that's like a a november movie mm-hmm. um yep like there's certain thing when i'm like after halloween but before christmas and it's like there's like parts in the snow <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yeah, this feels like November. I think there's like a it. good chunk of the Coen Brothers filmography or November movies. They feel that's a great, yeah, yeah. And I think it probably also has to do with award season because that's usually when a lot yeah. of those movies are coming out. And um, that's true. You know, it, it 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 you feel like you're going to the movies around then, and see, it's like post summer blockbuster, pre whatever blockbusters come out on on Christmas. So yeah. you're seeing those ones that are like you know going to be the ones that people will talk about at the Oscars next year, which is crazy to think about now. Cause all of that is just completely obliterated for a while. It's so, yeah. When you were saying that, I was like, what summer blockbusters? Like what, yeah. <laughs> what different times for movies to come out? Yeah. It's crazy. It's so strange. It'll be really interesting to see how this shakes out over the next year. Yeah. Uh, with release dates and whatever. I know they've been, uh, last I heard like rumors from the other day were like, uh, wonder woman, 1984. Mm-hmm. They were talking about like a day and date release on Disney plus and theaters. Um, coming in like January or something. And I was like, whoa, that'd be so crazy. Yeah. That's well, going to be like a juggernaut for them. And but. I think also it's like, oh, I think it would be on HBO Max because it's Warner. So that's, yeah, it would be. But that, Probably but then, then that fat, but then the only reason I, I bring it up is not to correct you, but to bring up the fact that like that, should. <laughs> that plays into <laughs> it too, is the fact that like 
they view they want more performance out of HBO Max because they they expected mm. more because Disney Plus had this boom, you know, of and yeah. especially with everything happening the way that it did. It's so funny how like different other platforms like Quibi launched at a time when they were so relying on people to have commutes and yeah. you know there's other you know criticisms leveled against it too but like that was the thing it was we're expecting yeah. people to have 15 minute you know bus rides or whatever and then it launches covid happens <laughs> yeah. and no one can watch it on their tv so everyone's pissed yeah. where it's like i don't want to be on my phone and it's so crazy how the landscape in ways that we never ever would have expected just yeah just completely upside down it's nuts well, it's so funny with Quibi because it was such a huge undertaking. They put so much money into that. <laughs> so much money. And it and it really is not their fault. Like yeah. like there, there are other criticisms for sure that that is their fault or whatever, but right. uh, for that alone to be the idea, the impetus for that idea being like people are on the go. Yeah. And then to release it and nobody can no go, one's on the go I mean, perfect storm, dude. That's yeah, crazy. That sucks. Um, yeah. It's but, also weird to feel yeah. bad for him because it's like Jeffrey, uh, is it Katzenberg or Katzenberg yeah. or whatever? It's like, these guys are billionaires. <laughs> like it's a I lot know, of I, wasted money, but also it's like, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll bounce back. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, I, the only other thing I really wanted to mention was, uh, I had started a show, um, the other day, I think it was, it was on HBO max. I believe that I found it. Um, it's called Nathan for you. Oh boy. I, I heard this get recommended to you and I am also mm-hmm. a fan. Yeah. So, uh, so I had, uh, I had just, uh, I had gotten it recommended, uh, recently, but, um, I finally checked it out. I actually was just scrolling through there and it popped up and I was like, Oh, I forgot what this was on. And I played the, uh, the first episode and it was, uh, gleefully absurd. Yeah. Just like I expected. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was pretty fun. I've only seen that first one so far, but, uh, that guy has a, a really unique, um, like dry humor mm-hmm. that it just makes people uncomfortable. I and try to get Amanda to watch really it with me, and it's usually like a, a little bit of a struggle because she she cannot handle she cannot handle the awkwardness, but she also cannot handle what's <laughs> yeah. real and what's not because you know that there's a, oh, some yeah. kind of blend in there, and uh, it drives her crazy. It's the same reason. Yeah. It makes sense because the people who worked on that worked on the second Borat movie. It's the same reason with the Borat uh. movie. It's like she could not relax the whole movie. She was just like. <laughs> Just so on edge. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm laughing because I'm like, that's that's you got to lean into it. That's the funny part. Yeah, but I get it. It's yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, it is weird, but um, I like him. I I also uh, I'm a big Christmas movie fan, and I have been holding off. I I thought with with 2020, I thought I was gonna um, start them a little earlier. Like I usually wait really for all my Halloween viewing just to be October. Mm-hmm. And this year I was like, fuck it. Like September, I'm into like, all of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I thought, well, after Halloween ends, maybe I'll, I'll go straight into Christmas. And really I just kept Halloween going Oh yeah. for a while. I just kept watching movies. Yeah. But then, um, I did watch, I started my first viewing this year of, of the night before, uh, fan of Seth that as Rogan. well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I watched, I've seen that movie so many fucking times. I watch it a ton every year. It's become my new favorite Christmas movie. Spe- but speaking uh, of demystifying the whole parenting thing, uh-huh. we loved the stuff in that. It was before we had a kid. Oh yeah, uh, they they do a, an awesome job. I thought of that of like having him leave her that voicemail and he's like calling their baby the c word oh and stuff. God. They're on board kid. Yeah, <laughs> like, like but the way she reacts to it, I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. It's like it was both funny and also like you're dealing with this in a way that yeah. is real. Like that's it's it is a it is a scary thing, man. And like neither of them had talked about it. Right. To each other yeah, exactly right? yeah the the part in that this is a spoiler for this movie that came out forever ago about uh about yeah. christmas shenanigans but if you care spoiler warning <laughs> uh the part where michael shannon sprouts wings at the end and like is an actual angel or uh-huh. whatever i 
laughed so hard in the theater at that. <laughs> I, I thought it was so funny, that reveal and that joke. Literally uh, no one else laughed in the theater when I saw oh, it. Man. It was it was I felt embarrassed but also kind of pissed at everyone. I was like, this is a great joke. Like no one thought yeah, this right. was funny. Like that's so funny. He and his performance throughout the entire thing is super good too. Like I think Michael oh, Shannon's fantastic. like one of the like in a very like dark, weird way, one of the funniest actors, like where you, mm-hmm. you can't tell if it's like, is he trying to be funny or is he just kind of a right. weirdo? <laughs> but it's so good. He's uh yeah, he's fantastic and his role in that is, you know, just like the weed dealer who turns <laughs> yeah. into an angel. Yeah. Uh it's it's just element is so like modern, you know, yeah. like it uh obviously for like a Christmas movie, like that's not one I'm gonna watch with my my parents right. or my in laws. <laughs> right. You know? Uh but uh for me it's become like a Christmas classic. Yeah. And uh yeah, he's he's a he's a gem in that movie, like all of those guys are and, and uh, everybody in that but the dude who made um, that movie, I'm if i I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the director, the movie that he made before that uh, did you watch 50-50? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that one a lot, too. That one, I think, it's is, so good. has gotten kind of forgotten. Uh, it's one that people I don't feel bring it too, up. Yeah. yeah, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. I need to uh, to watch that again. I haven't. Um, I own it, but I haven't seen it in a while. Like Basically, Essence came out. I've seen it like maybe twice. <laughs> it's exactly but, the same as me. Uh, yeah. Right? But I remember it being really good, <laughs> yeah. and Seth Rogen, I've heard talk about it because it was so personal mm-hmm. to his experience and everything. Yeah. Um, that uh yeah jonathan i don't know if it's levine or levine yeah jonathan. yeah yeah he did the night before um, right i think yeah he sure. did yeah, yeah and he did 50 50 um oh i didn't realize he did all the all the boys love mandy lane uh yes Crazy. yeah which is a, a pretty great horror movie too have you seen that yeah yeah, yeah. i have yeah, yeah. took me years yeah, to, yeah. to find it back in the day yeah uh it was not available anywhere but yeah he did that in 2006 and he did 50 50 in 2011 yeah um, he did Warm Bodies, which I also, that zombie movie. That's another, I did, that I did too. And that's one of those ones, yeah. sort of like the whole idea of like, they made a Facebook movie where it's like, they made a Twilight zombie movie. That sounds yeah. horrible. And then you watch it and you're like, oh crap, this is good. I guess like, it's actually funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. pretty good. I, I, I want to watch that one again. Actually. I think I've only seen that once. Um, and for anyone listening, yeah, it then, is not yeah. a Twilight zombie movie, but like that was the idea was like, it's a zombie romantic comedy. How's that going to work? And yeah. It works pretty well. And it works pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the, Versus Twilight, the the changes they make to the zombie, like uh, what people think about zombies or whatever, yeah. are welcome to me. Oh yeah, me too. In that movie, yeah, right. Versus a sparkly. Everything vampire that I was crossing my no arms sense. at at the beginning of the movie, by the end, I was like, okay, you guys won me over. Like it's like <laughs> you big, won begrudgingly, like oh, you did it. <laughs> Man, that's funny. But yeah, he's had a a, a bunch of a, a good string of movies. He also did Long Shot in 2019, which I dug. Um, the Seth Rogen and uh, I haven't watched Shelley it. Yeah, it looked good. I haven't seen it yet. It surprised me. I, I thought it looked good, but I thought it was gonna be like stupid. Like uh, a lot of Seth Rogen's like later stuff, mm-hmm. I haven't been as into. Right. Um, I liked him, you know, in the Apatow days more. But yeah. Um, some of the things recently, I've been like, yeah, they're okay. But this one, I actually thought was was pretty solid. Okay. Um, I need and to it really made me laugh. So yeah. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Levine. He's He's had some good stuff. So, uh, what do you say we uh, jump into our main topic? Let's do it. I'm excited. <laughs> Sweet, awesome. You too, man. So, uh, I think you had mentioned uh, us to watch this. That was your idea, right? Yeah, I feel like there's been um, really no interest or excitement about dinosaur pop culture lately, and I felt like yeah. we could maybe fill that void. There's really no one talking about it or showing any interest in it, like I know. we we really should. And Look, these were the the lizards that that ruled the earth at a certain point, and I think that deserves yeah. our respect. 
uh, through the medium of... I'm just glad to have a friend that thinks the same way, yeah. Uh, no, I, I completely agree. It's literally mm-hmm. just the two of us that have ever cared yeah. about or liked dinosaurs, so... For sure, It made for sense sure. that we would talk about this show that I feel really respects the former emperors of our Earth by being a cartoon in which... Your suspe- mm-hmm. your belief, your belief has to be suspended for nine whole episodes or however many it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask you this first because I think that this mm-hmm. is, and I, I don't want to necessarily spend too much time on it because it, it could be an entire other episode. In fact, this could be an entire other series just about dinosaurs since we enjoy them as much yep. as we do. Uh, the, what, what is your experience with this franchise? Cause it's, it's really mm. Jurassic world, I think is an important distinction that a, that's the title. I don't know why I've been mm. doing this AB thing. This is the third time I've done this episode. Um, <laughs> but B, uh, it's also, uh, it is a different thing from Jurassic park. I kept ca- when I'm referring uh-huh. to it this week, I kept calling it the Jurassic park cartoon. I have to correct myself. Um, right. so what is your experience with the franchise? Like, were you a Jurassic park fan growing up? Like, did you like that stuff and then also what was your reaction to experience with this new trilogy which is the jurassic Mm -hmm. world thing yeah so uh always a huge jurassic park fan the first one um and it's i i watched it this summer on the projector outside and it was fantastic all over again it all it totally holds up yeah um so i've always been a fan of that the sequels i was never really a fan of i had seen them um especially the second one being a spielberg movie again i've always been i, I want to revisit it just for that fact alone i like it but it I is a weird s- thing it's a weird like right? spielberg doesn't really do those and it yeah it's like a it's like a weird b movie but directed by steven spielberg so you're like what yes. is this like yeah well even you describing it that way actually kind of perked my interest up i was like oh well looking at it that way that might help right but like it wasn't it wasn't as good as jurassic park sure, and yeah. i'm like i think it's really fun it but it's jurassic like park is like Jurassic Park's one of those one of the rare blockbusters where I'd be like, this is a blockbuster that made a lot of money. It was huge in pop culture, but also yeah. like I I think you could make the argument, at least in my opinion, that it's like a perfect movie. Like it's I'm beginning agreeing. to end. They just nailed every single aspect of it. Yeah. And like you said, you can watch it now and just nothing about it feels different. Even the special yeah. effects, which is crazy. Special effects are still Insane. really good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally hold up. But uh yeah, so I was never a huge fan of those. Um the sequels and stuff right. though. Um, part three is then, part three is a difficult, <laughs> difficult movie. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the stuff where yeah. the Velociraptor talks to Alan in his dream, which everybody That's sees the part, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on, on YouTube is fun to revisit. Yeah. Tough movie. Yeah. Um, I've seen that part on YouTube recently. Uh, and other than that, I was like, I can't even believe that's in the movie, like in these movies. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, especially after the, the, I don't know. They have such a reverence for dinosaurs mm-hmm. in the first movie. And just to think of like a dream sequence where like a velociraptor talks. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what? <laughs> well, you guys really went off the rails. But also that's a Joe Johnston movie. Yeah. And I love Joe Johnston. No, so yeah. I'm like, maybe I need to give that another shot, but probably isn't mm, that great. I, yeah. I haven't watched it in a while, but it was within the past probably six, seven years and uh, we didn't finish it. Like um, Amanda yeah. had never seen it and she hadn't seen the second one either. So we watched the first, the second, and we got to the third. And even for her, like her tolerance, I think for stuff is a lot higher than mine is because I get too snobby when a movie's bad and I, I can't, I get pulled out of it right away. Uh, gotcha. And 20, 30 minutes in, she was like, why is this so much worse than the other two? <laughs> like she, <laughs> <What> <laughs> she could feel it too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then when Jurassic world came out and uh, the people involved in stuff, especially actors, but even like the, um, 
uh, there we go. I'm trying to pull up the the people. Trevor, yeah, Colin Trevor. Trevor, right? I was trying to think what he did because he he's a mixed bag for me. Safety not guaranteed. He, he did before this, yes. which I loved. I thought yes. at the time, especially, I thought was such a. I haven't watched it in a long time, but was such a mm-hmm. fun movie. It was one of those. This Quirky. was also in the period where they were doing this thing of like, who made this really cool, critically, you know, uh, critically lauded indie movie? Let's give yep. them a like almost billion dollar franchise. Like it right. was a lot of that happening. Uh, exactly, and, and he yeah. was one of the first examples where it, it like may maybe worked, but also they were seeing the downfall of like maybe pick somebody better equipped <laughs> for the job because yeah. there was friction <laughs> and yeah, Save yeah. Not Guaranteed I think is a is a great movie, but then yeah, he's made some real bad movies too. Yeah, because after I, I liked Safety Not Guaranteed, which I haven't seen in a, uh, I've only seen it once I think, mm-hmm. but I liked it a lot. Yeah, and then um, uh, Jurassic World came out and I and I liked Jurassic World a lot. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll get back to that in a second. I just wanted to say, I, I did watch the book of Henry after <laughs> that's that. what I've never seen, but I've heard is atrociously bad. <laughs> it is. So what I had heard, uh, the reason I watched the book of Henry is because I heard it was so bad that that's why they took him off of doing, um, star, star Wars. Wars yeah. He was going to do rise of Skywalker. Yeah, The third one. Yeah. And it was so bad that they're like, we can't, we can't have him do this, whatever. But now he's back and he was always like a producer for, mm-hmm. um, uh, Fallen Kingdom, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Yep. And then he's going to be back for Dominion. Yeah, direct. Um, so I'm like, clearly they still like him. Yeah. You know. Uh, and I think he's he's weird. co-written all three of them. I think with his okay, his writing yeah. partner from Safety Not Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. So. So that's interesting. Yeah, but but I yeah there was this like um, it, Marvel does it too. They've they've hired some interesting people. Yeah. Um, even like Taika Waititi. Yeah. Um, coming in and right to do Thor and stuff, and he's really obvious. He's amazing. Yeah. But, um, he really took that and did something great with it, but they did have like a lot of these, even like a uh, Jurassic world, uh, fallen kingdom is Jay Bay- Bayona, yeah. who I had known from like indie horror films yeah, and the stuff orphanage. or whatever. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. The orphan is so good. Yeah. Um, that's another one I don't recommend to people. <laughs> I tried once and someone was like, this isn't Spanish. And I was like, <laughs> what? It's so good. And, and Jay Bayona made sense too, because I could have this wrong. You have it up in front of you. So you might've already yeah. seen, I think he also did the impossible before oh sequel, yeah which is sure. which is much more closer to a sort of like disaster thriller yeah and really well done it's got a little baby tom holland in it and uh yep. mcgregor and nicole kidman like it's a it's, it's well-made movie it's not yeah i like that fun, movie too yeah. but it's yeah it's good. not fun but yeah it makes sense for why he would get chosen for this yeah, but, for sure. um but yeah so uh yeah book of henry i watched because of because i heard it was so bad and it's it is one of the worst movies I've seen in my entire life. It is bonkers. I, I looked up not, the not synopsis on Wikipedia at a certain point and like, does it assassination come into the plot at some point? Yes. <laughs> that was the part where I was like, what, what is this it movie? Is, it is so weird. Cause it's like, um, uh, Naomi Watts is a mom and her son's like a genius, but she actually, mo- sorry to yeah. interrupt you. I said, Nicole Kidman, is it Naomi Watts in the impossible? Um, yeah, it is Naomi Watts. Yeah, I don't know why I said Nicole Kidman. I'll correct that now. Sorry, go ahead. They're like the same person. (laughs) It's Uh, so weird that it got brought up where I was like, hold on. (laughs) Completely (laughs) different movie, but I think that's who I was thinking of. That's funny, yeah. Uh, Connections, though, there you go. Um, Yeah, because, yeah, so then they both, both of the uh, Jurassic World directors have directed her in separate films uh, to different acclaim. Um, But yeah, so she's... (laughs) She's like a, a terrible mom who just plays video games all the time. Like that's the most you see her in the movie. She just plays video games. Her son takes care of the bills. He's like a genius. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, spoiler alert, the whole thing revolves around her like assassinating her neighbor <laughs> and with like a makeshift sniper rifle. Yeah, in the that woods. was the it's thing too. I... Fucking crazy, man. <laughs> 
That's yeah, so nuts. it's weird. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it makes sense of why they would kind of step back yeah. and, and be like, yeah, we need to go a different way. But but for uh, Jurassic World, um, I know that it has its criticisms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, the main thing that Jurassic World got, especially versus the sequels, is that it felt like the first one to me. It felt like a sense of wonder. Yeah. Um, which I think the sequels were lacking. And I really, really just dig the idea that um, they would have just swept everything under the rug from Jurassic Park and uh-huh. just started over yeah. and not learned any lessons. Right. <laughs> um, and I think my only my only main criticism is I'm not actually a huge fan of where they go with the like Indominus Rex or that people are like bored with dinosaurs. Right. I, I at least wish we would have been able to see the middle part of that. Right. Of like, how could people get bored with that? But after 20 years of them being around, then maybe people were. Um, and then, yeah. So yeah. that part alone to me, I, I just, I was like, there's, there's enough there with the wonder. I didn't really need to have like genetically mutated dinosaurs, sure. but I dug it once I got into it. And then, uh, overall, I think it has that same sense of fun. I, I really like, um, what's his face? The, the, the raptor, Chris, Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like him and I like him in general, but I, I like his character in it and stuff. So, yeah. uh, so I dug that getting into it. Um, yeah, but I'm curious, uh, yeah, where you stand on, on the series. Pretty similar to you. I, I like, uh, the lost world, um, definitely not as much as the original, but I do like it. I liked it when I was a kid mm-hmm. and yeah. I, I read the books too when I was a kid. So oh, that okay. was part of it being mixed in like, and that was interesting too. Cause like Crichton wrote the sequel when they were going to be making a sequel movie. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily all mapped out. Um, gotcha. I liked the books. I loved Michael Crichton as a kid. I read as many of his books as I could. Um, so mm-hmm. I was always, you know, and they're different from the, the movies too, but I was always kind of plugged yeah. into this stuff. And then I had, I had like a very, personal connection to Jurassic Park in the sense that I made this joke on, on hideous energy at another podcast that I co-host sometimes. So I'm recycling it, but I, I, the, the, the thing that brought me so much joy during the daytime of this film and these dinosaurs brought me nightmares at night. I used to have horrible nightmares when I was a kid from Jurassic Park. Like, and that was one of the only things in my life I've had reoccurring nightmares. Like almost every night I'd have a nightmare being killed by a T-Rex or a Velociraptor, (laughs) but I love the movies, you know, like I, um, I, I once we had it on VHS, like I watched it all the time. So Jurassic Park, huge for me. The second one, less so, but still watched it. Third one, I, I liked it fine when it came out, but I was like twelve or thirteen, mm-hmm. so I didn't have yeah. much of a much of a barometer. Uh, and then the the new movies, the Jurassic World stuff, very similar to what you said. It it reminded me a lot of how I felt with the Force Awakens, where it was like there's a they captured a spirit of fun here that I'm mm-hmm. not going to compare it to the original Star Wars. I'm not going to compare this to the original Jurassic Park. There are things maybe I don't necessarily like. Uh, you could also argue the negative side of that is that it kind of felt like a remix of what we already knew and liked. So they weren't necessarily yeah. trying anything new. They knew what they could tap into. I think both for that and then also what we're going to be talking about with the series, uh, John mm-hmm. Williams' score, being able to use yeah. that is almost this like weird cheat code where as soon as that thing starts yep. playing, it doesn't matter how good or bad things are going. They just get better because that that score is so iconic and like it's so emotional, like it makes you feel stuff. And I remember like tearing up watching Jurassic World the first time when the score kicked in at a certain point of just mm-hmm. having that. And, and I knew it was overriding maybe the quality of the movie and, and they were kind of emotionally manipulating me a little bit. Sure. But it. It's very similar to what you said. I and I re- went back and rewatched some scenes the other night after I finished the series, like the uh-huh. the end kind of fight and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I, I think it's fun. I think it's a fun movie. The second yeah. one, 
uh, the Bayona one. I've only seen yeah, once. I talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't <laughs> didn't like it. Don't need to <laughs> that much. <laughs> there were there were moments in it that uh, I liked. Uh, yeah, but I was pretty much checked out even before they got to the end where they started auctioning it off dinosaurs to like rich people. That was I was like, what are we doing? So it's so weird. Yeah, not a huge fan. Then there's clones in it, like people clones. Yeah. It's it gets. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Fuck. it's it's not good. It really went off the rails. Uh, yeah. So J. A. Bayona from from the two we talked about the the orphanage and then the impossible. I was like, oh, this is a perfect choice. Right. Um, I thought it was going to be great. <laughs> well, and, and, and they, they lean into his story. sensibilities Oof. in the end. There's like that. It's almost like this haunted house kind of sequence where the, mm-hmm. the modified Velociraptor T-Rex hybrid, whatever thing is like hunting yeah, yeah. them. I, I was watching scenes I hadn't seen since the theater the other night of that too. Um, I did like how it ended in terms of, okay, mm-hmm. for the third one, we could go crazy with this because there are dinosaurs yeah. now out in, in the world. It's living yeah. up to the idea of the title of being a Jurassic world and like them, yeah. mating and everything else so we'll see what happens and they're also i think it makes me wonder the fact that they brought back Goldblum and uh i'm blanking on their names um oh for the new one yeah the sam actor neil sam neil and, uh, and uh oh man i can't remember her name laura I, isn't it laura uh i feel like that is right fuck i can't All remember either okay um laura dern, laura dern. I was like, Laura Dern's amazing. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I love all three of them. Yeah. The the fact that they're bringing them back makes me equal parts like excited and then also a little nervous to where they're like, you know, they know that it's again, it's like the Williams score. If they're bringing people back, like, is it because they want to have like the special thing or is it because they know they need it? So we'll see. Yeah. This series, I didn't, I knew very little about uh, before Mm -hmm. we watched it. I, I knew that, which is surprising considering we both love dinosaurs so much. But I totally love dinosaurs. Just in general. But I, I yeah. was surprised by the fact that it is not only in continuity, but like heavily tied into continuity. Like, yes. this is a series that happens. I think I said nine episodes earlier, but I think it's eight. Is it I think it's eight. Yeah. yeah. It is intertwined closely with Jurassic World. Like, it's happening yeah. at the same time. Um, characters from Jurassic World are mentioned and like referred to. Mm-hmm. And it's always kind of a like off camera thing where it's referring to Bryce Dallas Howard's character a lot. Yeah. Um, but then even the like owner, the new owner in the movie, he like crashes his helicopter, like pterodactyls oh, take it down. Like that happens. I love that part. Yeah. yeah. In the cartoon, like you see it in the distance, but so things mm-hmm. are happening at the same time and it follows these kids who for one reason or another get to go to the park. I think initially kind of early, it's like a, maybe a day or two mm-hmm. before it opens. Uh, and then their story runs parallel with the film and then ends basically with the end of the film or right after the end of the film. Um, yeah. That surprised me for sure. Me I didn't know that was yeah. gonna. I didn't know what what time period because obviously we know what happens at the end of Jurassic World, right? But I was like, oh well, this is probably just like a kids show set before that when they had everything up and running or whatever, right? Exactly. And it's not at all, yeah. And it's a weird. I had heard that it was very violent, so I didn't let mm. Daniel just immediately watch it. Uh, but um, then after I was watching it, I was like, it's not really violent. It it gets yeah. it gets dark. <laughs> it gets surprisingly yeah. dark in a few moments. They cut away. Yeah, it, it's uh, never anything on from screen. From a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the like third act, second to last episode, last yeah. episode thing we'll talk about because <laughs> oh, that's God. crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's pretty much like kind of what you'd expect. Like there's the each of the kids fits into some sort of archetype. Like there's a you know a really ex, like overly excited protagonist who loves dinosaurs and is kind of made fun of mm-hmm. for that. There's like a rich sort of snobby kid who's, you know, actually deeply lonely because his parents don't pay attention right. to him. 
Um, there's a girl who's like a, a YouTube star. That's not necessarily an archetype, but it in modern day fits into that kind of idea. Um, yeah. There's a girl who's like a really shy athlete. There's another girl who is kind of like a... How would you describe her? The one that ends up being the spy. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, I pulled this from the Wikipedia that someone had written. They called them dinosaur enthusiast Darius, self-entitled VP Kenji, phone addict Brooklyn, friendly cowgirl Sammy. Cowgirl. Okay. Her. Yeah. Which is kind <laughs> of it. loader. And then timid boy. Timid boy. So, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> the biggest victim of the show by far. Yeah. Uh, the timid boy. So they, there's, there's two camp counselors who are there. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a weird show, man. I I think it is. Yeah, I think I liked it, uh, but I towards the end, I I looking back, I think I liked it. Yeah, but it was a weird. And so there may be gaps in here too, where I was you know working or got distracted mm-hmm. and was like, I got to get through eight episodes of this this week, so I'm not going to go back and try to figure out what I missed. So there may be some gaps, but for the most part, um, I was through all of it. I it's a weird kind of show where I think like as a kid, I would have loved it. Like I would have been. I wondered that all yeah. in. Yeah. Um, it's, so did your son watch it all with you? No, he watched parts of it. He watched parts of it and then he didn't like it. <laughs> so th- when I would try uh, okay. to watch it, he'd be like, <laughs> I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's younger than the demographic for it. Probably he's four. Yeah. So there's probably too much talking in it about like plot mm. and story and stuff that he, you know, for older kids would care about. Um, yeah. When there was dinosaur stuff, you watched it and there's, there's plenty mm. of that. I mean, they're constantly on the run and, yeah. Trying to get out of, you know, some some hijinks. The weird thing about the tone of the show, though, is that tonally they do shift it down to a younger audience. But at the same time, I don't know if it's because I'm an adult. The entire time I'm just like, these kids are in mortal danger. Like, yeah. literal. <laughs> they will die. It's not like yeah. they're going to get shocked or something if the dinosaur bites them and it's like fake. Right. Like, they will be eaten. So it's yeah. it's a weird. I don't know. I saw some people refer to it as Ambliny. Which I get, but also I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like it's with the Amblin stuff, I never, and maybe it's because I was a kid, but I never felt like a palpable sense of death and danger around every corner. And mm. this felt darker to me than that. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. What were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, uh, very similar on there. Uh, there were parts of it that I thought, oh, I really like this. Uh, like the dinosaurs mm-hmm. themselves, I think look good. Yeah. Um, the, the whole world that they, like the, the animation for the world that they're in is beautiful. Yeah. Like the, they do some like nighttime sky stuff yeah. and like sunset stuff. That's really gorgeous. Yeah. Um, the character designs themselves, I thought were just kind of like whatever. Yeah. They seem like a Pretty lot standard. of other, yeah. yeah, like CG animated shows that I've seen. Um, and then their archetypes are really like kind of like nailed down mm-hmm. and they don't really like deviate a lot from that. They have their growths, you know, and right. you'll learn a little bit more, but but they're pretty standard. Um, and so some of that, I, I I wondered if your kid had watched it and what he thought, because I was like, well, I'm just not a kid. So some of this just seems like annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt like sometimes the show could have been better if they had not leaned in such to such of the kiddie stuff. Um, more to the point of like, they're, they're in Jurassic World. And then as we find out throughout the show, they're going through it with like concurrently with the movie yeah. when everything's going to, to shit. But... They for some reason like the first two episodes they just they have to get themselves in trouble. Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, and I'm like, you have enough trouble around you, right? Like you don't need to create trouble. The first Your night they're there, already there. Yeah, the main kid know? Darius, he like sneaks out to go see dinosaurs. It's like, do you like want to die? <laughs> like, yeah. like this you're is... literally going in like a few hours. Yeah, and I just think wait. That's the only time. Know? 
from what I remember that there's raptors, right? Is that for early like misadventure where they get stuck there's, in the, the paddock? Yeah, I think so. There, I feel like there's one later on where uh, they're like out in the field, but I don't think they're really oh. being chased by them or anything. Yeah, a whole lot. there's also like, the beginning, which is like a VR game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was one thing I liked too. Is they basically instead of leaning into all of the normal ones that you see in the movies, they gave them their like like YA T-Rex <laughs> like which was that right. uh Carnosaurus <laughs> or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh and that becomes like their antagonist, which I thought was cool because uh-huh. it's basically a T-Rex but it's smaller, still big enough of a threat yeah. to them. Um and then they also definitely did a thing at the end with like giving him they already give him a cut at the beginning to be like that's the funniest thing about all these like creature feature kind of movies is like there's always inevitably because they all look the same the the monsters or dinosaurs or animals mm-hmm. they always have one of them get cut in a certain way so that when it comes oh, back right. you're like that one's pissed <laughs> off cuz it remembers like so they do they do that with that that dinosaur they give him that cut and then at the end when they somehow blow up those barrels which I was like okay whatever I'll go with it yeah right um yeah. they he's like now like extra crispy like red like he's got like yes. a thing to, and he gets up and leaves so i was like okay season two he's gonna come back even more right. mad like with a grudge so yeah i i uh the tv animation's a weird thing and this is even mm-hmm. in a separate category because it's netflix but it never it never feels like I don't know. I feel like with 2D animation, there's plenty of shows where I look at it and I'm like, that's gorgeous. Like that's if you mm-hmm. did that, if you put it in the budget for a, a film and did it on that level, it would look maybe a little bit better, but probably about the same. Like they've really kind of nailed the style that they're going for. TV yeah. CG has always felt like TV CG to me where it's like, mm-hmm. um, like, oh, this is clearly has less money. And that kind of felt this way to your point. There's a lot of especially like um like the the environments and stuff I think worked really yeah. well but then like you said the character models are fine like it, it moves fine mm. but then that's something they I th- run really weird yeah they run it's still like, you can tell like it's not quite yeah that great and I thought about that a lot because when I was a kid <laughs> I loved Beast Wars and that show looks like trash mm. but that was like a, a CG cartoon <laughs> yeah. that was on every day like uh, so I think a lot of that is probably just when you're a kid you know you don't when you're a you kid don't care, yeah. yeah um but it was and weird. I wondered about that because part of it like i said like i i was like well maybe i'm just not into this because i'm like i'm not a kid right but also um i look at things now especially as like loving film and everything as well they could have done this better though right. like yeah. kids might not understand why it's better but they could have done this better and i can recognize that as an adult right. and i could have liked this more as an adult yeah. if they had done well you have these things and you have you know? and, and it's unfair for me to now compare it to like <laughs> the most widely critically lauded and regarded cartoons of all time, but I'm going to, you have shows yeah. like, like <laughs> avatar, the last airbender or mm-hmm. Steven universe, or like you have these shows that now people of all ages recognize that. And it's not just kids that are into it. It's adults being like, yeah. this is amazing. Like this is a fantastic storytelling animation. Yeah. It all holds up the characterization, blah, blah, blah. So your point's valid. I think it's, you, you definitely can feel the limits that they were willing to go to in terms of their demographic of like, we're aiming it mm-hmm. very much here. This is where we're going. We're not going to do now that being said, and spoiler alert for anybody who cares about that, pretty shocked that they seemingly killed timid boy, uh, <laughs> at the end of the series. That was genuinely shocking, uh, to the point where I was like, Oh my gosh. What's- like, yeah. Yeah, let's set this up because they've gone through all kinds of shit mm-hmm. throughout this is like the next to last episode. Yeah, next I to think last. is whenever he does that. Yeah. 
he he finally gets over his his shyness and he's like the hero he like crawls outside he has a he has an arc of growth that's the worst mistake he's ever made in his life (laughs) (laughs) exactly and then he like opens the door and he's all triumphant and then they do this like modern slow motion like the pterodons are like like break through the glass yeah and then he's just like reaching out and they just like take him and it's like terrifying. And then even after that, he's like holding on like Darius gets. Yeah. Grabs his hand. He's holding on. And when he's holding like, on oh, there. Gonna... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's fine then. OK. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> and then they they break. I think that I think that episode they do a lot of the and this, mm-hmm. this series, especially they do a lot of those like cliffhanger yeah. endings. Uh, maybe think of like really old like serials and stuff yeah, yeah. That they would do like you know the narrator the come in, gonna get? are they gonna lo- yeah. let go what will happen yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. and they do that and it but it's like oh this well they'll, they're gonna get him in the next episode right and then they drop him yeah from a train yeah i was like fuck to, that just happened to a, a height that is absolutely not survivable there's no way there's no fucking which, way you know he does spoiler alert again but yeah uh, that's like the last last second post credits kind of thing uh, is that you see his yeah. finger switch and he's still alive. But yeah, so high. So until we got to that point at the very, very end, I was like, wow, this kid's dead. Like there's there's no <laughs> explaining this. And the rest of the kids, like they're not not uh, sad about it, but they're also like, well, we got to keep going. <laughs> like, so yeah. they just keep, they keep rolling. And it, the series also has a fairly dark ending too, that they get to the docks I know. and everyone's gone. Like they, which I thought was interesting. So they, you know, yeah. they're stuck there on, on the island. So that was the stuff for sure that made me, it's a weird thing where I was like, oh man, I like this. Like, that's awesome that Mm -hmm. they, but then it's also a thing where I'm like, not enough to watch another season, (laughs) probably. Uh, But I'm, you know. See, I'm into it now. (laughs) See, are you? I don't know. Like, (laughs) I think, I think it's just like a time commitment thing. I I don't know. I could change my mind once it comes out. Maybe I would be like, okay, it's here. It's, it's on Netflix. So, you know, your mind views it as free, um, even though you're paying for it. But the, uh. Yeah, that was the stuff where it got me the most invested because it was like, okay, now yeah. they've kind of moved out of the predictable beats um, and there are mm-hmm. potential stakes. The thing I thought about is like, it would be interesting if they have uh, an almost Jumanji-like uh, period of Ooh. growth for Timid Boy. What's his actual name? This poor kid. They called uh, him Ben. ben. <laughs> Timid Boy. Timid Boy, <laughs> where uh, he, they find him later and he's like mm-hmm. Robin Williams grown up when he's been stuck in Jumanji land, like obviously not that long of a period of time, but to where he's like now a survivor, I think that would be, Uh and that'd be cool. My guess is they'll probably go somewhere in that. And then he's pissed at them because he feels like, you know, they left him there. They abandoned him. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense, but also would be an annoying conflict if it happens because anyone watching that show is like, you fell 300 feet. (laughs) There's no way (laughs) you should not be alive. (laughs) When we get back to the mainland, they need to study your body for science because you maybe are invincible. So it's uh yeah I, they could take it to it, some interesting places. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I I'm annoyed almost that I want to watch more of it. I would say <laughs> because it wasn't that great, but I, there were moments when I was watching it. I watched it over like the whole week, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, man, I really want to see what happens though. And I'd, mm-hmm. I'd throw yeah. another one on, and it surprised me. Uh, and then at the end, it was good enough that I was like, oh man, I really want to know what happens. To these fucking kids are all alone on this <laughs> island. I should clarify when I say I don't necessarily want to watch season two. It's less. It's less that I think it, it was bad. I, I think it's a pretty yeah. solid season of t- of uh, of a kids show. I think it's yeah. Um, there there are definitely flaws, but I think there's way more good than bad. Um, yeah. For me, yeah. I'm always like, man, I still haven't finished. You know, Better Call Saul or The Wire, so I'm not like yeah. <laughs> rushing to watch season two of Camp Cretaceous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think especially if you are a dinosaur enthusiast, like, uh, like Steven or myself, which, mm-hmm. uh, again, is, is in rare, 
a, a rare amount. So, you know, yeah. maybe everyone's been bored by we this love episode. We so much. Just two dinosaur lovers hanging out. Uh, <laughs> I think you dig it. I mean, it also kind of depends on how invested you are in the Jurassic World specifically franchise. Because yeah. if you dig that, then they do some cool stuff they didn't have to do by interweaving the, mm-hmm. the universe into it um, in a way that I thought was I fun. Mean, yeah. Yeah. When you, when you first see, um, I guess like shit goes wrong, you know, and then um, I think they see the Indominus Rex somewhere at first. I think it's like their first when they're up in the inclination that when they're up in those, yes. in those tree houses that are again, I don't know, 500 feet into the air and they have railings. I know this is a nitpicky thing. They have railings that are waist high on these children. So basically if you're a full grown adult, it's like you're one trip away from immediate death. Like, (laughs) and I I know it's so nitpicky, but that was a thing for me as an adult constantly where I was like, this whole place is a death trap. Like even if it's not dinosaurs, like nothing is designed for safety at this park. Well, plus they, they, put them with these two counselors who constantly just leave them alone. Do not care off. Yeah. Off, right? uh, off camera. They're absolutely <laughs> getting high and having sex. Like that's, that's the implied thing like <laughs> that, you know, awesome. but you never see like they, yeah. Little to no yeah. regard for these children's lives. It's so weird. Like, cause it, it's also like funny. That's the thing where I'm like, there's enough conflict, especially if you're going to cross over with a Jurassic world movie. Right. And that conflict that I'm like, there's so much going on already. But like after they've snuck out and they've done all this shit and every episode they keep getting in more and more trouble. And then they're like in the gyrospheres, uh, which is a cool scene yeah, and everything. They pull that from and they're those, like, yeah. there's a storm coming. We're going to go. Yeah. They literally just like, Peace. we're going to go check out the storm. Even the fact that they let them roll around <laughs> with those dinosaurs. I was like, if one of those like right bigger ones stepped on them wouldn't they die like how does this it's just glass (laughs) (laughs) not only would they die they would be eviscerated by shards of glass yeah uh yeah that was a weird thing for me watching it too is like having to constantly suspend my disbelief and not think too much about it because it's yeah like you said earlier that's one thing that i find fascinating about the fact that in jurassic world they have to reckon with the fact that not only did the first movie happen, but the second movie happened. And in the second movie, mm. a T-Rex literally comes to Los Angeles or San Diego yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's not like the first movie you could look at it as like that was a testing uh, isolated accident before the park mm. opened that made them not open up the park. I think like the mainland, you know, America could be like, OK, that was probably a stupid mistake. We'll move on with our lives. But the fact by the time a T-Rex shows up and literally is like eating dogs and stuff, like it eats a kid's dog in front of him in the second movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> like that's when it's it more dark. of a threat. So the idea that it, it's, it is fascinating to me and I don't know how I feel about it that with Jurassic world, they were like, yeah, we're going to still do it again though. And we're, we still want you guys to come to the park that there's so many people that were like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> like right. I would just be like, did a bunch of people die? Like this seems like a mistake. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I think that is, that is the difference between like the childlike sense of wonder that you're talking about too, that for me, I'm just like, I would never take my family to something like that. It seems like a (laughs) horrific mistake. Uh, but then as a kid, like, yeah, seeing this stuff and I was reading books about dinosaurs and memorizing Mm -hmm. all their names and, and was so into it. Um, it, it makes sense that the kids would want to see it. Like that would be, that would be crazy. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'm with that. Um, it is strange I, when they get to that stuff that you're talking about where it's like, I think Vincent D'Onofrio in the in Jurassic World at one point, he's like, I can't mm-hmm. wait to take these to like Iraq. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a big leap. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. So <laughs> I just don't know, especially with uh, Fallen Kingdom, 
uh, and what they did with the cloning stuff and the weaponing weaponry and stuff. And I'm just like, I mean, that's a choice. (laughs) Sure. I don't know if it's my favorite choice. Yeah. Jurassic Park works so well and Jurassic World works pretty well at mirroring it, mirroring it because it is the uh, the sequels do a bad job. I think of you're in this world. What do we do? Um, the the first movies of those series work well because they're like, no, this is about the awesomeness yeah. of this. And oh, it went wrong. Right. And I think that they get lost in the sequels when they're like, well, what happens when that's already gone wrong? Like, what do you how do you make that interesting? Right. And this cartoon did well as well because it's also like they're full of wonder and then it goes bad. Right. And that's kind of Jurassic Park's bread and butter. And I don't know that they have a real good way outside of that. Yeah. I am intrigued that they'll just be in the world. Right. And I think you're right. Like what that'll do. But in a whole I have to like kind of be like, well, it it'll be a different thing than Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. It's like just what happens if dinosaurs in the world. And that's an interesting. Concept. Right. I don't know. No, I think you're right. And I think I think the show does a good job of tapping into the Jurassic Park of it all and spirit more mm. than the world, because it is much more tangible, real dangers as opposed to like wild sci fi creations. Mm. And and right. you're totally right. Like and even in the first movie, I mean, when Amanda and I revisited that as adults, like we we teared up and we both kind of looked at each other like an embarrassment and shock that we were getting so emotionally hit by the scene where they see the dinosaurs for the first time where he like takes his hat off and like, he's like moves her head to look at the pack and everything. Like it is a beautiful, like awesome, awe inspiring moment. And then the rest of the film isn't like, and now, Hey, check out this T-Rex. It has Uzis for arms or something like it's (laughs) check out this T-Rex. Like this is, (laughs) this is what don't ruin the third Jurassic world, man. That's going to happen. This is what a T-Rex would have been like. And that's scary by itself. Like you don't need more. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I think they, this show does have that, that they, they have the kind of back to basics thing to where it's just like, and I did feel that throughout it where, a little mm-hmm. bit of that tension of like, man, what would I do? Like, where where would you run to? What would be, what would be safe? Yeah. What wouldn't be? Especially, there is a there is an edge that this has too of like they're not around any other people. They barely ever see people, mm-hmm. and when they do, they get yeah, killed yeah. immediately. So there is that thing of like, where would you even go that's safe? And it's it's mm-hmm. so big. Um, and inevitably, when they go to new places, there's new threats, but it's always dinosaurs and. Yeah. existing ones or whatever which is cool for the kid because he has the knowledge and all that too so yeah um but yeah i i don't know that i have any other let me look at my notes i wrote some notes down yeah right uh, when i was actually watching it um i was gonna say uh i did like that they brought in dr Wu. oh yeah um, yep even though he's voiced by a different guy um, yeah that's a good it point was fun to, to actually see his character um, from the original one and then um i also thought it was interesting the i don't know a whole lot of the kids voices they're from a lot of like kids shows it seems and stuff i didn't that know I really either know of, yeah but uh but the camp counselors are jamila jamil um as roxy and then uh glenn powell i i didn't know his face i didn't know his name uh but apparently his was written for him he's that guy oh yeah that's just what it looks like in the show yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was like, oh, they really nailed that. Yeah, <laughs> he looks totally like that in real life. Uh, but I thought it was cool that they they were kind of involved. I like Jamila Jamila a lot. I don't think um, I know the, who she is. She's from the the Good Place. Ah, okay. I've never watched. I I watched the first handful yeah. of episodes and di- okay, didn't gotcha. click with me. But okay, yeah. Um, but uh, I like her personally a lot. She does a lot on Twitter for like um, she used to have like an eating disorder, so she does a lot of stuff about like the Kardashians being like shitty people because they promote like bad eating habits right. and stuff or whatever and awareness so and stuff she just seems to be involved and cool and uh yeah and 
I, I realized once I knew her, her voice, she was voicing it. I was like, oh, that's totally her voice. Okay. Uh, in the show. But at first it kind of like took me, it was like weird. I didn't know who it I was. I think all the voice acting uh-huh. across the board is pretty good. Like there was no yeah. performance. There weren't any performances. It's just all lead, like you said earlier too. It's just all of it pretty much leans into their archetype. So it's, yeah. you know, the entitled kid is a douchebag and, you know, the the timid kid is shy. <laughs> like just another Yeah, they synonym. really lead into those. Uh, I did think too, um, all of the... All the kids except for Darius, the the main kid who who basically just beats a video game and gets a, a ticket. And not by anything that crazy. Like, like that was the thing where I was like, yeah, no one figured this out before you. It's not that hard. Like nobody looked in the bone pile. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever tried. Uh, yeah, it's kind of silly. But then um, I, and he has a story like his dad wanted to go there, but then his dad got sick mm-hmm. and um, died. I, I They don't talk about it a whole lot. But yeah. uh, uh, but then the rest of them, I was like, they're all rich assholes. Like yeah. there's the YouTube chick who got invited, the the VIP kid who whose dad owns a fucking condo yeah. on Jurassic World. Yeah. Like that's the only insane. one that's not is the cowgirl, but it's but she has an in right. Isn't like doesn't her family yeah, provide the have, like the meat for the animals or something? Yeah. yeah, her her Texas ranch provides all the beef. Yeah, for the park. Um, uh, let's see, the athletic loner is also like it's not necessarily that she's rich, but she's being sponsored by a Jurassic World, so she was invited. Yeah. So all of the kids are basically like entitled, you know, they all had like, uh, they're not just like normal kids. Right. They were like rich kids who got it's invited really to like a special Willy thing. Wonka Motley crew of kids, only yes. they're not quite as, yeah. as hateable across the board. I thought that they were going to set up Kenji to be like an antagonist and they do away with that pretty early, which I liked. He's still an annoying he's dickhead, dick. but yeah, he, he's fr- <laughs> like, they become friendly with him. The only two other notes yeah. I wrote down were, <laughs> this is only funny if, you, if you've if you seen these episodes because they hammer this so hard. <laughs> Sammy very clearly stole that phone <laughs> because there's this episode where everyone's like, you stole the phone. He's like, no, I didn't. It's so oh. obvious that she stole it. Uh, and then, oh, I did like the one way, one way to show death and to deal with it in this demographic way that I thought was cool was the scene where they, the camp counselors open up that closet and has all the radios and then all oh, the radios yeah. are just turning off like or going yeah. red because they're getting killed. Like stuff like yeah. that, I thought was okay. That's a cool way to deal with that without, you know, visually, yeah, having to see people be eviscerated and traumatizing yeah. children around the nation. Um, uh, going back to your phone comment, though, you made me think when you said that, I was like, yeah, they should have known if anything because all girls' pockets are teeny tiny, <laughs> and they would have been able to see that it, it would have been sticking yeah. out. Like, there's no way she would have been able to hide that thing, which is obvious because it falls out. Later that was on, also right? a very Willy Wonka. Now that I think about it, plot line, yeah. like because she was the. What was the dude who like oh, yeah. the whole thing? Like he got him to go in there. They, he had talked to all mm. of them to steal Wonka's thing or whatever. Like the for sure, for sure. It was called like a uh, Manticore, which I was like, man, I bet yeah. you writers were thrilled the day that you came up with that. <laughs> but yeah, the competing like yeah. engine or engines not around anymore. But yeah, the other they're also trying to make dinosaurs. It's crazy this universe. There's multiple places that are like dinosaurs is the key, baby. We got to figure out how to make these I dinosaurs. Know, right? <laughs> So. You think, I mean, like, I get that, like, they would want to use the, like, there would, there'd be for sure if dinosaurs were recreated like that, there, there would be people who would probably think, like, we could use this as a weapon. <laughs> sure. Like, I, can, I, I don't think that's a good idea right. or whatever, but I think someone could think that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know where I was going with that, I guess, but. Just the idea part, that people are it, investing in making dinosaurs, multiple corporations, yeah. yeah. I feel like, though, they would realize how much money that took to do the one island oh yeah and they, like nobody else would even like attempt that yeah they, they might attempt to steal it like they do in so many of the movies right. uh, steal the technology but even going back to the original jurassic park like dennis nedry is trying to steal it for another company like everybody's trying <laughs> yeah. to get in this dinosaur awesome. game man yeah yeah the yeah. uh 
the and I think that's why the second one they got away with it because it was like there's a second island and we're just gonna go hang out. Like they basically did right, away yeah. with having to try to figure out how do we go back to the like it was there was yeah. a second one where the dinosaurs were kept and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the the further you go, the more you just stretch it and the thinner and thinner and thinner the yeah. the believability <laughs> works. So I, I think if they lean all in on this third one of like Hey, look, it's 10 years later and uh, you can't go outside your house without maybe getting eaten by a T-Rex. That's you've you've like gone so far past Jurassic Park for me that I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is a new, fun, crazy thing. I can that could work. Yeah, I can buy into this in the same way I'd buy into like a Godzilla movie or whatever, where it's just like, let's have fun with what this is. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that I, I, I I've mentioned this a few times recently in the show where like I feel like we're getting into this like kind of sort of like post meta modern thing or whatever, where we have seen so much collectively as a society and there's so much streaming options and all this stuff. And we know the beats so well that I'm like, I'm totally on board for something just to be off the wall. Like, like start a romantic comedy uh, and you're just like watching this romantic comedy. And then you're like, man, that was really good. And there's a sequel coming out. You're like, all right, cool. Like to all the boys I love before too. Right. But wait, there's a nuclear explosion this time. And you're just like, what? Like, yeah. I'm totally down for this, the absurd at this point. And, oh, yeah. and if they do that well enough for this, I could lean into it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, that just got, did you ever watch one cut of the dead on shutter? Uh, no, you got to watch that movie. What is that? One cut of the dead? One cut of the dead. It was, it was Go my ahead. favorite horror movie of that year. Uh, but it, it, not in the same way, but at, that's one of mm. the few rare examples where exactly what you Sweet. described is, is it, it hit me in the exact same Perfect. way where it was like, I never saw any of this coming. I've never seen anything like this. And, uh, yeah, don't, if you don't know anything about it, great. Yeah. Like watch Good. it Perfect. and, and make sure you watch all of it. Cause I've seen some people who think it's over and it's not over. So you'll you'll Sweet. know. Just keep watching until it takes you back to the shutter menu. <laughs> well, I uh, like this because I've never heard of this before, and I literally have only seen the poster and gotten your recommendation now. So I okay. will leave it at that. I think that I think you'll great, like though. it. It's in Japanese, yeah. which is uh, you know, hey, it's a deal breaker for a lot of people. So you may be upset about that. But I don't know if I can do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. Like it's yeah. it's uh it's a weird. And, and that's another to tie it back to before. It's another COVID thing that makes me curious to see how the landscape will look creatively speaking, yeah. if it will be different um, and how things will have changed now. I don't know. It's a very yep. college one Oh one we're smoking pot kind of topic like <laughs> cinema, man, but we'll see. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all shapes up. And even with Jurassic world three, I know they've been filming during COVID and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if you have a world, I don't know where they're going to, like like you said, like 10 years later, I'm not sure like where it's going to pick up, Right. but we're all living in a world where we can't really go outside Right. and you can tap into that, you know, yeah. um, and, and that might be part of the psyche that plays in when we're all watching that movie next year or whenever, you know? I think so. worlds like that are great. Like if they, if they have set up the world building enough, uh, I just yeah. keep thinking of other movies, but uh, you watched uh, Monsters, I think you mentioned on yeah. a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love the world of that where it's like, there's all those signs up and there's zones yeah. and it's like the world... You know, there's not a sense of of like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this has happened. Like, everyone's just like, yeah, we have these monsters here now. <laughs> like, and this yeah. is this is how it works. I think that would be cool if they leaned into something like that with their world building. 
Good call, uh, just yeah. like, you know, hey, you probably shouldn't go to the Grand Canyon because the T-Rexes have taken it over or whatever. Like, <laughs> I, that's a crazy example, but. Uh, <laughs> I just like, I like that example. There's like, a, I imagine a whole bunch of T-Rexes lined up around the Grand Canyon on Looking both sides. Looking down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that they're down in it, but like, you just can't see the Grand Canyon anymore. Like the T-Rexes yeah. are there. So they got there and they're like, Look wow, up this pictures. is beautiful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those days are gone. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you suggested this. I really wish that I had had a friend, you know, before you that was into dinosaurs as much. And that would have suggested too, man. all the years really wasted did. of yep. no one recommending dinosaur content. So yep. I think this could be a good reoccurring thing on the show that we can do. Mm-hmm. of like sure. every once in a while, hit in with some dinosaur uh, stuff, like even it. if it's selfishly just for us as the only two people that enjoy it, you know, yep. it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. So exactly. And that's I like fine. that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I had to, to say about the, the show. Um, Me too. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Right I, I think if any of that stuff interests you as a listener, uh, you'll dig the show. Um, yeah. But if not, if you're like, I don't, I don't have time for a kid's show, you know, it's not going to surprise you. So don't watch it. <laughs> that's going to be yeah, your outlook. If you listen to this, you got enough of the, the spoilers that are Yeah, fun. that's true. Um, and yeah. uh, maybe maybe we'll have to do like a revisit next year when they release the, the second season. That I would absolutely uh, do. Like if right? I had if I had a, a especially reason. like yeah, and to be able yeah. to talk about it with someone, uh, yeah. I would 100 percent make the time for that. So let's do yeah. that. Awesome, man. Well, we can plan on that. Um, uh, did you want to go ahead and plug anything? Other shows um, or whatever? Sure. I you can if you are happen to be listening and you need a comic book lettered or designed, uh, I can do that for you if you'd like. I'm very nice. busy right now, so I maybe shouldn't be putting <laughs> it out there too much, but uh, you can check out all of my like lettering and design work at my website, which is just hopkinsletters.com. Um, there is a page on there from a Teen Titans comic book where I lettered uh, Beast Boy turning into a giant Godzilla T-Rex looking thing. So, awesome. hey, go check out that page there you uh, go. and watch the show. Yeah. So yeah, I right think on. that's it. All right, cool. Um, and you can rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Um, all the infos in the show notes below uh, if you'd like to to write to us. So, um, man, it was uh, really fun uh, discussing all of this with you today. Yeah. I had I always enjoy dinosaur talk, and I don't get enough of it. You know? No, who does, man? I'm glad we found each other for this because it's been yeah. equally as satisfying for me. So very fun recording with oh, you. Man. This was great. Just two satisfied men right now <laughs> just talking to each other in their rooms that's right can't ask for anything more than that <laughs> all right man well that was a blast uh thank you guys for listening and i uh, hope you guys check out uh drastic world camp cretaceous can't say it but uh i watched it uh but anyway uh until next time i'm steven i'm david and let's talk later yeah so now we just kind of talk about whatever all right. Does that work? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Just really leaning into the theme of the show, I guess. Uh-huh. Exactly, to, yeah. Let's talk about stuff as broadly as possible. It's as broad as possible. If you recall, whenever we came up with the title, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah we just wanted to be... Pending. Yeah. <laughs> just wanted it to be broad, you know? We had some uh, some some more specific, weird uh, offshoots that some people might have said were better names. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. uh, those people would be wrong. You guys I think you guys nailed it. Yeah, there you go. See, and and, and you have the uh, um, I'm already doing this wrong because I keep saying you guys. That's we all right. have nailed it. See, this is outtake, so this would be fun because I don't get a kick out of that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the, well, also the uh, the LTAS branding. That's something mm-hmm. in all the podcasts I've never I've never had, and all the podcasts I've done have had stupid long multi syllabical. Is that how you pronounce that mm-hmm. word? Probably not. Uh, name yeah, so yeah, like you have to be like Erie International hideous energy it's just these giant mouthfuls <laughs> you guys can just be like LTAS who would do that's that it. yeah
Yeah, we yeah, can say you know, LTAS. LTAS, yeah, kind of snuck in there, and I like it because uh, it's it's just like simple, and it feels like an inside joke that's so stupid that only we know about it. Right. Um, even though it's not even funny, but it's just, <laughs> you know something to lean into uh, to be like, yeah, we have a branded show. Look at this. It it's has one of those like a nickname. And one of those inside jokes where you intentionally don't tell other people around you. Yes. Not not both because to keep it, you want to keep it an inside joke, but also because it's not worth the. If there's no humor there, <laughs> so then you just lean into the idea that's like, uh, you have to be there. Oh, you would get start. it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're back. Cool. Yeah, it you froze, froze for a second, but uh Can you hear me now? Yeah. That's the uh, that's <laughs> Do we have a delay? Yeah. Great. <laughs> this is a good start. Uh, uh this you is froze, I deal with it, you know. You froze mid laugh when you leaned back to laugh, so you just were froze. <laughs> Like mouth agape, <laughs> back in your chair. <laughs> I do, I do throw my head back when I laugh real hard like that. So yeah, if it freezes, it must look really ridiculous. It was more just kind of scary. It was, it was okay, almost cool. like a yeah. I mean, your your normal laugh doesn't I'll look scary, it. but in, in yeah. mid freeze with the mouth, it looked like something dangerous was going to happen. Oh, absolutely. I love whenever I'm watching uh, anything on TV and I pause it, and uh, if you get like a, a funny face, uh, like mid sneeze. Or uh, it, pretty much any time, like anybody's like talking or laughing, they look kind of ridiculous if you just stop them like mid whatever they're doing, right? <laughs> I, but it's, like, I feel like that happens every time look. I watch a YouTube video and I pause it. It's, someone's uh, always just like half an eye open or whatever. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> but uh, how, how it happens like funny a lot of the time, like I'll, I'll actually stop and like point it out to my wife and be like, you know, like, hey, look where I paused it. Look how <laughs> like stupid that person looks who's usually so attractive because they're an actor, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's always nice when you can make fun of your uh, your celebrity betters and, and exactly. really feel like they're they're you know just normal trash like you. I was going to say it's just a very <laughs> depressing right. way of Pull looking. Pull them back it. to your level, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm texting my wife right now. Sorry to tell her, hey, keep our kid out of the office, please. This is twice now. He's just walked in. Oh, did he do it again? So, yeah, that's what I was trying to that's like funny. shoo him off the camera. Uh, I was listening to. Uh, um, I want to pet you like an animal, an old episode you were on, uh, on LTAS with us. And your, your kid had walked into that and had, uh, done like a dinosaur roar with like a T-Rex in his hands or something like that. He just like opened the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he has like, this perfect. like hand puppet thing and just oh, like, cool. it was like, it was very Jurassic Park where like, it just kind of opened and then just the snout came through. Oh and, dude, like, that's awesome. Roared. Yeah. Yeah. He's a funny kid. Um, he uh, does not understand to not come in here when the door's closed and I'm recording yeah. something. <laughs> he you has know, not figured that out yet. <laughs> you need like um like a red light outside your door, like a recording yeah. light, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which actually makes me think I, I thought of that specifically because of Full House. I don't know if you remember uh Jesse oh, yeah, created yeah. like a down in the basement, right? Yep. Like a, a recording studio and you have the light on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh and, and he's he's he just turned four, so he's not quite Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what r- appropriate ages are. So I always lean yeah, right. back like he's a toddler. So he hasn't learned this yet. But there's probably people out there that know developmental cycles better that are like, your kid's an idiot. It's like he yeah. should know that by now. Uh, but he uh, he now anytime I'm on, I'm talking to anyone on the computer through the phone, he thinks it's recording. So I had a work meeting the other day. Oh, and he was like, oh, are you recording? I was like, no, I was, you know, talking to some people. He's so, like, dad does a lot of podcasting. Yeah. Like every day. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that um, I've I've thought about that LTAS episode of Nine Inch Nails multiple times because mm-hmm. um, I felt like I let the podcast down so much because Why? the well, just because it's probably by far it's probably the second album I've listened to the least oh. out of all of their <laughs> albums. So there were so many songs on there. I was like, 
yeah i mean i like it because it's my favorite band but beyond that i mean i don't listen to this album that much oh, like totally. and so much of the downward spiral is also just like i mean i i came up with a million different ways to describe it on the podcast i feel like it was like transformers jerking each other off and stuff it's just yeah. kind of just noises and um and then i feel like that's like the first big move for him to where it was mm-hmm. like okay i'm setting myself apart which is great, but then after that, everything was like infinitely more interesting to me. So yeah. that episode, I felt like I was supposed to be like, "Oh, this guy loves Nine Inch Nails," and for every song, I was like, "Yeah, I mean, this is fine. That's cool. That's great." Well, I feel that way too because uh, my favorite band, uh, Airborne Toxic Event, there we did their okay. first album because it was like their ten year anniversary, mm-hmm. and so we had uh, done an episode on that. And it's not my favorite album though. Like their second album is right. my favorite album, and so I was like, I could talk about those songs, and I have grown to like it. Yeah. Uh, on a lot of those things. But uh, overall, I was like, I would have much more to say on a whole different album. But yeah. it, it meant something. And I think that's why we did the Nine Inch Nails one, too. It was some kind of anniversary, wasn't it? Like a longer, though. It was like 20 years or something or 25. Boop. Boop. That's what it's doing in my ears right now because it looks like we are frozen again. So I had said um, uh, we had listened to my my favorite band's first album. Because it was their anniversary, and I think that was the same for the same reason we we did that album from uh, Nine Inch Nails, right? It was like mm-hmm. the twenty fifth or something. Um, yeah, twentieth. It might have been the twenty fifth. Right? Yeah, because they yeah. they also had a thing. Was that this year? That was last year, right? That was last year. Okay, well, I heard yeah. I heard I you talk like about Invisible like, Man and Sonic and uh-huh. stuff about how it's like, oh yeah, it mm. came out last year, and now it came out twenty twenty. So <laughs> it's so weird, right? <laughs> So I have, yeah. I have no idea, but they, they just were inducted into the, uh, the rock and roll hall of fame and they did like mm. a Facebook live thing that I watched the other day. Mm-hmm. And I think that coincided, but I'm not sure. I can't remember, but yeah, 2025 20, years, something like that. Yeah. But it's, uh, that's the, you know, the reason we kind of pull those things up, but then it's like, well, it's actually not my favorite though. <laughs> right. Uh, it's kind of a milestone. That's cool. Yeah. But... <laughs> and just having that in the back of your mind of like, man, in like five years when they, when we do this episode, like then I'm really going to be able to bring the, the knowledge. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, what is this, this band? I've heard the name before, maybe from you uh-huh. talking about it, but I don't really know anything about them. Are they, what kind of music are they? What kind of genre? Uh, the Airborne, uh, yeah, so they are, um, like, just rock, I think, is the general, like, what the, even the lead singer says. Okay. Um, he, uh, he, what I like about them is, though, they, they are, like, multi-instrumental. They have um, just, like, layered things. So their first big song was, like, from, like, 2007 called uh, Sometime Around Midnight. Okay. And it's just all these layers of, like, strings and all this cool stuff. Okay. Um, they have a concert film from the uh, Walt Disney Concert Hall or something like that oh, wow. from, from around that time. Okay. And they had, like, a full orchestra with them. Oh, that's cool. And it just fits with their music. So it's, like, it's a lot of, uh, like, introspective rock and everything. He uses a lot of his life experiences and okay. something about his lyrics are really what grab Yeah, him. you're a big lyrics but, guy, um, too, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, are you a lyric guy or you said that uh, you're not like, no, well, I just, I remembered that sandwich. you, that like lyrics were played a bigger role. It definitely plays, a, I think a bigger mm-hmm. role for you than it does for me. I, they're not, uh, inconsequential, but usually mm-hmm. I'm, I find out what a song's about after I'm into it. And then I'll, one day it'll, it'll click. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a kind of funny, I haven't seen it in a long time, but, uh, what's the dude's name? He, he was part of like the Wet Hot American Summer group Ooh. and the Baxter uh-huh. and um, I'm blanking on his name now, but he's he's one of like the main guys there. That's like a writer, comedian, director, and stuff. Uh-huh. And he has a stand-up set where he's talking about 
how he had either just found out he was having a son or maybe they had gone through the pregnancy and his son was about to be born. And, uh, with arms wide open by Creed came on the radio and, <laughs> and it, it is his first reaction is like, Oh great. I'm going to turn this off. And then the lyrics start coming through and he's reading the lyrics and it's just like decimating him. He's like sobbing oh over the song that he's like so pissed at himself <laughs> that he's sobbing. That was the moment. And so like oh, Creed was a band for me that was uh-huh. huge when I was younger. Like I was so into oh, Creed awesome. in like seventh grade. Yeah. Like, so it's been a while, but, um, and, uh, that when I heard that stand-up routine was the first time that I knew what that song was about. So like that, that is, I, yeah, now you mentioned it. I'm not even sure. Yeah. And actually maybe it's not supposed to be that, but it lines up so perfectly yeah. of like, I'm here to take care of you. Is it with arms wide open? Maybe it's a different, I think it is, but it's like, I'm here to guide you through life and everything. And so when uh-huh. I, when I goes to the lyrics, I was like, Oh yeah, I guess I've never paid attention to that before. Um, like I was just like Creed a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so it, it, I think it also depends on how easy it is to hear the lyrics for me mm-hmm. that I pick up on. Yeah, it faster. I, I listen to a lot of music that it's hard to tell what people are saying too. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, oftentimes I have no idea what it's about, which is maybe a problem. I mean, I don't think I'm listening <laughs> to a ton of like awful yeah. <laughs> music, but it's possible. Uh-huh. Some of this music, I don't know what they're saying. So I feel that way because sometimes I'll listen to a song and I, I do think that like musically it'll grab me first and then I'll, I like the lyrics mm-hmm. uh, kind of second, secondarily, but, yeah. but I do like, uh, the lyrics are like a driving force of like some of my favorite songs. Right. Uh, cause it's, it's that kind of stuff, whatever you do hear it. Like I, I looked up the lyrics it's like, I just heard the news today. It seems my life is going to change. I close my eyes, begin to pray, and then tears of joy stream, tears stream down my face, yeah. right? Like, if you're having a kid, that makes total sense. Well, and then the chorus uh, is, welcome to this place. I'll show you everything, I think. Is the, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> With arms wide open. I think people, yeah. ever, I think my guess is probably everyone assumed back then, because I we both had uh, uh, Christian upbringings, and Creed was like, uh-huh. in the circles that I was in, was this like... Yep they were one of those bands where it was like, Oh yeah. Like they're, they're, they're Christian. They're edgy. Like they're cool, yeah. but they're Christian. <laughs> and so it was like, it was, but this, are they, the, is that like an identifying thing? Cause I remember that too. Yeah. Well, like the biggest thing back then, and I don't know how much it is now cause I'm not plugged into Christian pop culture like I used to be, but sure. was like, and maybe these don't even exist as much, but like Christian bookstores, that would be the thing. Yeah. Christian bookstores and Christian radio. If they played your songs on Christian radio and they mm-hmm. had your CDs in Christian bookstores, you were Christian. Whether or not the band was like, we're Christian, maybe they weren't. And yeah. usually if they would say, and a lot of these bands would, where they would have like, well, like we're, you know, some of us are Christians and some of us have these things, but the band isn't like defined as, usually if that happened, yeah. then the Christian bookstores would be like, get those CDs off the shelf immediately. <laughs> like <they're, laughs> They just denounced Christ himself. Right. So Creed, I think, was one of those where it was like, faith's a big, is like a strong thing for us, but also they're like on MTV and like they did a, a song yeah. for the soundtrack of Scream 3. Like they're, they're not, yeah. yeah, like they're, they're plugged into not Christian stuff. So I bet mm-hmm. my view back then, if I ever would have paid attention to the lyrics and I bet for a lot of Christians, it was probably like God welcoming you into heaven or something or like Jesus welcoming you yep. into your heart or whatever. I don't know, however <laughs> yeah. it would work. <laughs> welcoming himself into your heart, <laughs> making himself real just at walked home. right in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, in that that third line, I close my eyes, begin to pray. Yeah, yeah. It's like those Christian radio stations, for lack of a better term, got hard. Oh, right yeah. Then. Yeah. You know, like they were like, oh, these guys are Christian. Gripping those crosses real tight. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. that. That. And that's so funny because like that's a thing, especially. Uh, have you ever listened? There's a podcast you might like if you haven't listened to it called Good Christian mm-hmm. Fun. And it's. Yeah, uh, I've heard it. Okay. So there, you know, that podcast Gilmore Guys that was popular for a while. 
It was like, I, yeah, I felt like I heard that. Okay, so it was one of the hosts from that show does this show, uh-huh. and uh, your co-host the show, and it's 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 literally I think pretty much for people like us where it's like Christianity and Christian pop culture was a big part of their upbringing, not so much uh-huh. anymore. So it, it's this weird thing where it's like they're absolutely making fun of it, but it's not in a I don't want to say it's not in a disrespectful way because I don't necessarily care if they're disrespectful, but it's it's a way of like this was part of our upbringing. Like this is we can make mm-hmm. fun of it, we can joke about it, we can talk about how what what's problematic, we can talk about what maybe still is relevant or still really is is a positive message, but ultimately sure. like it's still part of our DNA and our upbringing. So they talk about stuff like this a lot, and mm-hmm. um, I just completely lost my train of thought. What was the question? <laughs> forget where I was going with this. <laughs> but yeah, it's like uh, how we both grew up and and how we like relate to that now right. or think back on it uh, with like bands like that and stuff. Oh, I, I think uh, that's what I was going to say. You yeah. you find yeah, you find so you try to find so much meaning and interpretations of a way it can be Christian like or mm-hmm. how it can reflect stuff or like if there's a metaphor that's there somehow like those were always my yeah. favorite sermons growing up as a kid not not that i had a list of favorite sermons but the ones that resonated <laughs> the, the most yeah. with me would be the ones where they would bring in movie metaphors or something like if Perfect. if yeah. the pastor would be like all right let's watch this clip from the matrix i would be like i'm on board like that's that's great yeah i think both because it resonated with me which is probably exactly what these pastors were going for was like we're going to get the youth we're going to get the youths in here yeah, on this totally but then also i knew that it made older people uncomfortable and anything that in the congregation and if that ever happened i usually was on board <laughs> not because i yeah. wanted them to be uncomfortable but because i was like <laughs> that usually means something's happening here that is is kind of messing it up a little bit and like that uh-huh. always always interested me so creed was a band that was always that was an aspect of it but then they went i mean i'm sure you've heard the stories about scott stapp like running through the streets I- saying he was hired by an assassin to kill George Bush or something like he <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> Cocaine's hell? a hell of a drug as uh, Rick James would say. I think like his uh or fake wow. Rick James. No, it was real Rick James. He um yeah, he went he went off the rails pretty hard. But then I did not know that. But then he also had this like redemptive arc for that he tried to make where it was like mm. well I had this stuff that's going to happen man I'm going all in on the Jesus thing again so then he did like mm. a song on the Prince of Egypt expanded soundtrack and then and then he did a solo project that was even more like faith based but then he was like also in a porn like he <laughs> he's had like, <laughs> he's had a real crazy life <laughs> he's kind of like the Nick Cage of the music world <laughs> yeah like it's just like all over the place and I think like the rest of the band they did like the Alter Bridge thing that was like a they did their own band without mm-hmm. him and I think have continued oh, okay. on so man it's that would be great. I gotta say you know a lot about this subject well I've I've I was not I mean they when did the, was their last album would have been like I think was weathered which would have been around mm-hmm. then 7th 8th grade so I don't maybe they did <clears throat> oh, something okay. after then but they were yeah, yeah one of those bands for a long time that was just like coasting on the fact that they were known um and mm-hmm. then he was potentially schizophrenic or just you know on drugs who knows mm. so yeah who knows man Wow, what a roller coaster! I did not expect. Oh all yeah, that. you should fall down that Wikipedia rabbit hole one day yeah, right. about Scott Stapp. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. I had no clue. Um, I do remember them being kind of touted in that circle as like a, a Christian mm-hmm. group or whatever. And like you said, it was kind of like they were they were edgy. And like um, one of their albums had the word "damn" in it. I remember that. Whew. So like for some Christians, it was like, well, they can't be Christian because they said "damn," you know, in one of their yeah. songs. And so there, it was that. But Can't then that, that was appealing, I think, to some kids, too, where it was like, 
Yeah, they did say damn. I'm going to listen to this. Like yeah. conservative <laughs> Christian circles are so crazy. I, I wasn't allowed to listen to Linkin Park at the time. They only had one mm. album. At, which was hybrid theory. I wasn't allowed to listen to them um, for the longest time because my mom looked up their lyrics and they say, shut up when I'm talking to you. And that was the deal breaker. I was like, what? I can't listen to it because of that. Like, that's the worst thing. Oh, man. So it's a weird culture, man. I don't know how much it's changed it for is. younger kids, but mm-hmm. at least in those era and in those years, that era was very strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting for sure. Looking back on it now, um, cause I had good times. Like you said, like, yeah. uh, I'd be interested for that podcast because it is some of that is at least a conversation about, is it relevant or whatever, mm-hmm. but looking back, some of the experiences I had, uh, I'm just like, Oh, that, well, that was weird. Oh yeah. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> they really kind of stick out as an adult when you're kind of away from that world. And it feels so singular until you hear about other yeah. kids that went through the same thing. And then you're like, Oh no, mm-hmm. this wasn't at all. Like this was definitely like the culture and we just didn't necessarily, yeah know it like i i remember growing up like hiding like i don't know what other quote-unquote normal like non-christian kids would hide under their beds i assume it would be like i don't know bongs or something i don't know i don't know how like prevalent (laughs) that's a big thing to hide i guess but like uh porn or or condoms Uh or i don't know anything that i'm trying to think of that like an underage kid would not want their parents to find i was hiding like rage against the machine cds under my bed i remember like literally hiding it under like the slabs in the uh in the under my bed itself don't you do this again damn it (laughs) fudge balls so yeah whatever it is that that uh I started to say non-Christian kids, but you probably remember that the term was secular kids. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> secular world is a dangerous world. Be yeah. be in the world, but not of it. That's something that they said a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Going to get some of those those uh, non-flashbacks. At this. <laughs> it, it is funny because uh, I, it's not necessarily, I guess, that I thought that no other kids were having that experience mm-hmm. But it is interesting as an adult to be like, oh, a lot of us were having that oh, experience. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's and crazy. And it was so similar across the nation, at least. I don't know about, you know, outside of the right. U.S. if it's like that, like that evangelical Christian world. Well, and but, I think probably uh, it's because the foundation was, for better, for worse, and usually worse, the Bible. So, like, a lot of these things came from a verse or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But then it is strange how beyond that, there was so much that wasn't biblical as much as it was just like pervasive in the culture and the evangelical like american yeah. i think i definitely think it's an american thing in, in our case like yeah american culture but yeah like i'd i'd be hiding like rage against the machine cds under my bed and like maturated video games like that was the stuff that i was like <laughs> i was terrified clerks i remember i had a copy of clerks oh, by kevin smith oh, and like yeah. that was uh, i they my mom did find that and i got in so much trouble and i remember like <clears throat> specifically like apologizing and, and like tearing up, like and like really leaning into oh, how yeah. like bad I felt about it, uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. to let them know like that I felt bad. But I remember, <laughs> I remember I did too good of a job of that because I freaked <laughs> them out. I think like because they didn't uh. expect that much. So then later, my dad came to me like two days later, and he was like, "Hey, you really got upset when we caught like when we caught this like." are you is everything okay like i think that they were worried that like something That's way awesome. worse had happened to me or like and yep. i didn't want to tell them so then i was like no i just felt bad that <laughs> you guys found clerks like <laughs> i had to like pull it back it was just so awkward and weird like 
and and it's I have a lot of shame instilled in me right yeah, now. Yeah, like, so. and wanting to make sure that the appropriate <laughs> amount of shame was shown, which was weird because my parents yeah. weren't like they weren't like super hard on that. So my mom was more strict, uh-huh. but I knew it came from a place of like wanting to protect us. It wasn't mm-hmm. controlling necessarily as much as it was just like she was worried that stuff would affect us. Um, I remember being so happy the day that I asked her about a video game and was like trying to like plead my my case for why she should let me play this maturated video game. And she just had enough. And she was like, your dad's in charge of this from now on. And I had to I had nice. to pretend that I wasn't thrilled by that news because I knew my dad would <laughs> let me play whatever. So I was like, OK, I'm yeah. sorry to upset you. And then I went to my dad. He was like, I don't care. You can play whatever you want. So you're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, man. It is. Um, that's uh, yeah. It's interesting, though, to, to look back on. Um, you maybe think of like uh, American Pie was, was one <laughs> yeah. of the, the VHS that I hid yep. uh, from my mom for like I brought it in my house and I, I hid it in my jeans to bring yep. it in. My brother helped me. And that, uh, yeah, it was like, you know, behind the stack of, of regular VHS that I had in front yeah. or whatever. But um, oh, yeah, I, I watched yeah, that the first the three of those. I think was was the yeah. third. Maybe there was only two. What's the third one? Is the third one where? That's the wedding. Okay, American wedding. Right, but that's not. Mm-hmm. Those came out relatively the same time, and then the fourth one came out like decades yeah. later. Right. Okay, so I haven't I haven't yeah. seen that one. So the the original three. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, it was the same thing. Like I went to my cousin's house, and they they were allowed to watch whatever, and my mom didn't ask questions. Mm-hmm. So like I watched every single possible R rated comedy I could find that they had at their house <laughs> while I was there. Yeah. So like my memory is like watching all of those movies <laughs> at the same time. That's awesome, though. Uh, yeah, that's quite a quite a trilogy to uh, ingest as a like a teenager. Sure. You know, well, I thought it was the funniest movies ever, and yeah. it's really just basically the same three jokes and nudity for yeah. three movies. Like it's not. Yeah. Yeah. They're not I actually that really <laughs> weirdly love that series a whole lot, but um, uh, the first one still like I, I it just was like the perfect time, the perfect mm. age for me. I was fourteen when that came out, so yeah, it was just right in the zone. And then uh, I, I still like the second one. It's the one where they go to like the they rent the summer house on the lake. That okay. Yeah, I remember. There's no fucking reason why they should be able to afford this thing. Yeah. Uh, and they get it on like a weekend's notice. But uh, but anyway, it's like really rad. The third one's really. I tried to watch it a few years ago, and it's it is really weird. <laughs> it's really dated. Yeah, um, I haven't watched any of them since then. Yeah. And it's oh, so man, weird because yeah. they were like super influential too uh-huh. in terms of of like setting that like R rated. Um, like raunchy comedy thing back into mm-hmm. to gear because they made so much money. So then there was just a flood of those kinds of movies. Sure. But then there was like a second wave of those that hit the perfect time for me. Cause you're, how old are you now? I am uh, 35. Okay. You're a little bit older. So I'm 31. So like the, the mm-hmm. sort of like second wave of that hit when I was um, probably like a junior senior in high school. And that was the like Judd Apatow, like 40 year old virgin knocked sure. up like those, which was, again, just like the perfect time. And again, they made a ton of money. Oh, so yeah. then they made a billion more like raunchy R rated movies. It's so weird how those are, are so cyclical because I always heard when I was uh-huh. a kid about like people talking about like porkies and stuff and being yeah. like, oh, these are movies I, I'm not allowed to watch. So I don't know what they're about, but I bet there's a nudity like knowing <laughs> that as a kid. <laughs> I still and I mentioned this before on the podcast, but uh, I still really like uh, a good either a, a raunchy sex comedy or a an erotic thriller. <laughs> and it's it all they both stem from my my youth you right. know it was like usa up all night and yep. they would show like tv edited versions of things wild uh, things or, and yeah 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 <laughs> uh or i would sneak in some hbo when we still had that uh as a kid and i would you know sneak in like whatever they, they were showing it terrifies um, me now having a son because i'm like <laughs> i know how i know how this goes like yeah oh man you're gonna be so mad 
All right. So um, I was trying to think. There was a sync word that I came up with yesterday during that conversation, but I've, I don't think I wrote it down. I've lost it now. Was it Scott Stapp? <laughs> we, could, we could do that. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be that. I did fall down that rabbit hole after, your, after the power oh, issue yeah. yesterday where I was like, I got to look that stuff up. I made some accusations about Scott Stapp that I didn't fully remember. So uh-huh. I was pretty much right. It was, it was about uh, what I remembered. <laughs> that was uh, that was my sync word, though. The sync words was going to be uh, us doing our both, uh, our, our, our good impressions of, of Scott Stapp <laughs> doing uh, with arms wide open. <laughs> so if you want to try that, that's cool. Yeah, let's um, do it. All right, sweet. So uh, I'll count us down for that as well. Okay. So you're, you're best with arms wide open. All right. All right, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. One, two, three. With arms wide open. Oh, man, I liked yours a lot. Yeah, thanks. I, I, I don't know if there's a delay or not, but we, you said yours at the exact same time I said mine. It sounded, it actually yeah. sounded kind of good. Like, I'm, I'm surprised. Kind of harmonizing? <laughs> yeah. It sounded pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to listen to Did some you Creed learn today. Anything, uh, cool about, about him or Creed through your research? Cool. If you mean cool as in sad, <laughs> then yes, a lot. Uh, it was exactly how I remembered Weathered was their last album, and then they've kind of just uh, coasted as being Creed, and they've broken up, yep. gotten back together. There was a reunion. The latest update on Wikipedia was this month their like, drummer, bassist, one of the people that no one cares about because it's mm-hmm. not Mark Tremonti or Scott Stapp, yeah. <laughs> uh, said that the possibility of a reunion is very high, which... You know, oh, not you necessarily the time for it, but uh-huh. uh, maybe he just means after COVID, hopefully. But we'll hopefully, see. right? Yeah. L P A 